show may contain naughty language and explicit content. You have been warned. Welcome to Facehammer, an Age of Sigmar podcast. Bringing you product reviews, news from the UK tournament scene, as well as some pro hobby tips. So stay tuned and get ready for some hammer to your face. Welcome to Facehammer, episode 68. It's me, Russ the Faceville. I am joined by... Byron, best leggings in Warhammer Ord, and Terry, two turn pike. Yo. Hello. All right. We're just back for the Masters, aren't we? So yeah. it was a yeah. fun weekend. Fresh back. It was awesome. I had such a good time. So um, this show, we're going to talk about the Masters uh, and what happened and how we got on our sort of like observations and just about the event in general. But. I think before we get into the sort of the Warhams, like the detail, I think it's probably worth. I mean, our first podcast was actually on the Masters back in the end times. Um, and the Masters for quite some time just hasn't felt like the old Masters from back in the day. And this, I think, is probably the best Masters yet for an awful long time. Yeah, I didn't go to any of the back in the day ones, did you, Terry? Yeah, I went to two in eighth edition and uh, two in AOS. This is my fifth Masters, and I can say it was easily the best one. Sweet. It just felt like the first one I went to. I went to the one the year before last, and that is my only um, Masters, because the one before that I couldn't attend because you weren't allowed converted models. <laughs> <laughs> that was the, uh, the end times one, wasn't it? Where... Yeah, it was. Everyone had so much fun against Jack. Where the well, it wasn't that. It was the uh, all the men in the building, wasn't it? Oh, uh, all the cap scoring. Um, so, anyway, so I digress a little bit, but um, just wanted to say that if you don't know about the Masters, it's top sixteen in the rankings and goes down. Obviously, run by Ben Curry over ten years now. Um, so does it for free. Um, and so, puts money into it and has done for all those yeah. years. So, what a champ. And just wanted to say, you know, like, um, we're going to do a show with Ben, as I mentioned before, but um, it's kind of uh, easy to be unappreciative of, of like, what he does or be critical about, oh, this pack's not... And I'm, you know, I've been guilty in the past looking at some of his rule packs and stuff and going, oh, no, I don't agree with that, don't like this, don't like that. But I think, um, I think it's fair to say that the game felt in a really good state Whereas the previous masters, like you look at, like even when Jack won with Elizabeth under Mocomp, they were, you know, und- underpointed <laughs> to the extreme. Then I took it out with Tomb Kings, which you know was a silly army. And then last year Vanguard Wing, again a silly army that went away very quickly when the new Stormcast book came out. I think this year's the first time it's felt like um, old school Warhammer, where there was a lot of tight competitive games with really strong armies but there wasn't anything like i would call like really dumb i mean if you look at some of the lists they look a bit extreme but actually they're still beatable yeah i mean obviously they are otherwise they would have won but i I still think like you you have to make an exception for the gavriel units come back on five plus army because it's if like your examples of things feeling like you're getting too much value for the point spent i think they exemplify pretty heavily 
Yeah, I think I think that's probably the only list that that kind of tips it in that direction. But Agreed. For me, um, it's nowhere near the same as old Nothing school Vanguard Wing yeah. or Tomb Kings or or you know 120 or 60 Skink Croak BSB. All, all the characters, Temple Guard. Oh, a 2,000 point army? Mm. Yeah. I'm not sure. <laughs> I mean, you still have to roll dice with Gabriel, even if you're pushing your odds. Whereas yeah. some of the others that have won in previous years are like, turn up, deploy, exist, win. So it's really good. It was such a great atmosphere. And the good crowd of people as well. It was great. I think when we when we turned up on like Friday and we were just all sat in the lodge uh, chatting in the reception, they actually had a bar, which is weird for a travel lodge, but... Um, it was quite nice, you know. It was a nice hangout, and from that didn't really stop from there, did it? We just went on the whole weekend. No, we just all like probably boat like first evening the travel lodge. Maybe there was like eight or nine of us, and then the second evening, I think there was ten of us. Yeah, it was like it was really really good um, small event, but to have in any event like nearly three quarters of the people in the same place chilling out is pretty awesome, really. Yeah, it's fair to say that the um, coverage leading up to the event was good, and there was a lot of hype, and the WhatsApp chat was pretty entertaining at times. Mm-hmm. Uh, Better so than at least. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so I think um, we we kind of went into the event and kind of felt like it was going to be different this year, but I wasn't quite ready for it to be quite as fun as it was. I think I was ready to force the fun. I think <laughs> yeah, all yeah. of us were to some degree actually because we decided not to go last year. And then we decided to go this year, and kind of along with that, we were like, right, we're going to go, and my agenda was to have a great time, and like to whatever degree I could force other people to. like. So hence me turning up with 20 litres of flavoured cider and yeah. uh, brew dogs. <laughs> but yeah, it was great. I mean, I think as well, um, you know, nothing against Jack, but obviously we were all like, oh, Jack's not there, it's a lot of fun. Maybe there's some sort of correlation. Yeah, no, I'm <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, Jack. <laughs> um, and um, so, I guess we should just talk about the Masters. I guess so. Um, we did a show on it already and talked about. I did it with Les and uh, Jack, sort of where we thought people would come and stuff. Was there anything you guys were particularly worried about playing going into the event after seeing the list, or did you just kind of go and go? Well, I'll just play what's in front of me and not going to worry too much. Yeah, none of the lists bothered me. It was the scenarios that the list might appear in. Yeah. I mean, the scenarios changing so much. Like, if you're playing something indestructible, I don't know, whatever it is, Stardrake, um, in something that involves standing a character on an objective, then that's a big deal. Um, If you are lucky and are playing one of the armies you really don't want to play, the silly Stormcast armies, funny is that it's meant to drop from the sky with Sequitas and then make them, like very reliably charging with Gavriel in a scenario where they have to start on the table, then that makes a big difference too, which is what I got. So, yeah. So the, um, I think uh, sort of Jack said it as well, that there's quite a lot of people that hadn't been to a masters before, hadn't been to many. Um, and I think, uh, it's quite revealing when you go in and, and actually you talked about these small margins. That's pretty much what happens in every game. There's oh, these little margins that make the big difference. Obviously, good players are still gonna like are gonna be good, but you could have a absolutely solid player, and you could lose three priorities that matter over three different games, and that could that could be it. Things are on a knife edge for a lot of the games. 
Yeah, so I think um, when we do the results and that, and you see the people that were towards the bottom and the, the stand-ins, I still think what you've got to remember is that's against the best people in the country, and someone's got to win and lose a game, you know? Yeah. So I think even just being there is the achievement, really. Yeah, for sure. Sorry, Craig, I told you I'd big you up so you didn't feel too bad, mate. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> Did he actually come last? I think so. <laughs> I think he um, his mum consoled him on WhatsApp, apparently. <laughs> oh, yeah, so no, I remember. <laughs> he was, uh, no, just kidding. But we did we did say he wasn't quite um, Jack. Uh, A fair assessment. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but no, no, in all seriousness, I, I'm being dead serious about that, that um, no matter where you finish, you know, you're in the Masters. So it's not like, you know, it's... It's not like oh, I finished bottom in the tournament. It's not the same. So, you know, equally the difference between like mid top half and mid bottom half could be one game's fifty fifty roll. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, or one one mistake or one bit of misplay. Um, if you guys want to look at the coverage, I don't know how it works, but apparently on Instagram you can watch the videos. Yeah, uh, bad dice. <laughs> I think it's Ben Curry or is it bad dice? We'll, uh, we'll put a link we'll to where it is you just need to go there and navigate through until you find it yeah no idea how instagram works i just find if i want to find something it's like i don't know how to do this how do you find something on instagram you just go and find it on instagram that's our instructions apparently you just there find you it okay <laughs> i think it's i think it's like i'm just shows that i'm getting old <laughs> i can't work these newfangled social media platforms um but um yeah there's videos on there apparently so you can watch those um so into the event itself then um so the the draw was done via like old school names out of a hat wasn't it so almost unanimously yeah. voted for i think one person or two out of the entire group said they wanted to know the draw before the event and everyone else was like no on the day it's more fun and it stops people from prepping and it's just more relaxed which i think he's done that every year anyway it's actually. awesome yeah it's a big part of the, the event i remember when Hiristo took his tower and um they did the draw out the hat and everyone was like, don't give me Haristo, don't give me Haristo, don't give me Haristo. And um, it was done. And I think someone ended up with him and everyone was like, yes. And then they realized they, they messed it up and had to redo it. Yeah. And it was like, oh no, can't go through the stress. Um, kind of, just... kind of like not similar to that because obviously I love you guys, but like when the draw was being done, we were like, no face hammers drawn next draw no face hammers drawn next draw no face hammers drawn and we got to the stage where there was four names left and three of them were us so we knew that someone was going to be playing someone else yeah, yeah. exactly um so in the first round it was uh, relocation orb um and i ended up playing you didn't i baron um yeah i would like so i think we're going to go through and then pick key areas of each game in this yeah. and i have one which is where i because i had some shots left shot a dog that was going to uh, make my charge closer and I'd already buffed up this, the guy who's going to charge with plus one to charge and plus one to wound it's my dragon so fairly important and um, it's just a perfect example of being like a spoon and just because you have got something using it yeah like just just like soppy sausage shit <laughs> like um, that like that stopped me from getting in and giving you up um, but I think also I probably should have in the first turn uh, which you gave me, I barreled towards you, yeah. as I as I tend to do with my big stuff, and I should have checked that your unit was three inches behind your screen because I just presume it was, and it turned out it was like 
and that's ball hair off. Um, I should have measured that before going in that direction. Um, yeah. Because then that would have that would have tied up basically your entire army. Um, although I kind of felt like I didn't, I didn't mind it too much. It's a silly mistake, but I haven't played for a while and going in and doing something like that in your first game, it's kind of like giving yourself a bit of a slap. So yeah. I thought, right, stupid. Um, get it out of the way and be better in the next ones. Um, but they were like, they made a big difference. But then also, like, I, you can't play badly against you because you're going to get screwed. You can't make a mistake against you and you can't make a mistake against that list. And then yeah. kind of on top of that, the relocation ob was not my friend. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was my friend for sure. Um, but I think I think as well, I dropped your big birds now quite easily, and I was quite surprised how quickly they went oh, down. Oh man, yeah, yeah. They, I, um, didn't, I don't know why. I can't really remember how it happened. Uh, I think combination weapon. of breath, mortal wound from the mortis engine, vile transference. Yeah, just, I don't think just, I had like particularly awful dice or anything. They no. just they just uh, half. I think it's just surprising how much damage can come at you. Um, they have a reputation as well, and you're often you can when you're looking at a bird like that, you can gauge it by reputation. But as soon as you get an attack two that is damage two or damage three or damage d six or something, um, yeah, suddenly, it takes one to go through, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, suddenly you pip them down and you fail a couple of your fifty fifties, and the birds at half strength. Yeah, and um, I think as well having ways to buff like uh, my my hit rolls and things like that, and my my plus one hit plus one wound kind of helps mitigate some of your uh damage reduction yeah there was um there was one mistake that we spotted pretty much instantly after you'd done it with positional stuff wasn't there i think with, yeah like, your can you remember what it was is it when i strung my grimgar sat in a line um i think it was the where you placed your lady on the dragon and you you went to one side rather than the other mm, i can't remember <laughs> if i'm <laughs> honest um but if I could remember, I would say, but honestly, yeah. I, I can't remember. Um, I was thinking about the games today, or trying to, as I knew we were going to record, and I was like, it's a bit hazy. I don't know why. I just, it's almost like I was in the zone, and I just kind of like dumped stuff out of my brain when I didn't need it anymore. And I kind of trying to think back, and I can't actually remember. I remember that the, or basically um, retreat, moving like down the middle of the line and then basically back into my army. Yeah. And then that was basically game over. Um, yeah, it went into the middle of your Grimgast and then it went yeah. to next to your zombie dragon, another Grimgast. And yeah. to get it, I would have had to have run a Skink Priest who would have counted as 20 models there. To oh, I killed him guy. with the Reach, didn't I? Yeah, you did. Because <laughs> he was, yeah, so because it's Reach free <clears> on the bites and I bit him. Nice little tasty skink, crunchable I mean, skink. I was uh, so, I was grasping at straws at that point anyway. Skink priests yeah. versus vampire bites isn't a very <laughs> like hint to listeners. Yeah. It doesn't go well generally. Yeah, so. Skink versus dragon. Who knew? <laughs> uh, so um, yeah, it was a shame that we. I mean, it was good and it was bad in the fact that you know we had to play each other, but it was us playing each other, um, and I think we were both a little bit kind of. I don't know, like just just had to get in the zone a little bit, didn't we? Yeah. So, so you got to we got to warm up on each other, and you came out decidedly on top. <laughs> <laughs> that sounded it was so wrong. Um, <laughs> you were one wearing the leggings after all. So um, that was a major to me, um, and I played the objective C's, which was to hold the most objectives because I thought, well, there's only one, so it kind of makes sense. I normally use centre ground on that one uh, because centre ground is is the is the orb is always the orb. So, 
Um, I found that the issue is is when you both place on the ground, the mission gets really hard. <laughs> As I found out towards the end of the event, but I, uh, yeah, it was uh, it was tough, but that was a good game. You know, I mean, it didn't um, it didn't go on very long, but it was uh, in terms of like turns. But it was, uh, yeah, it was good nonetheless. No, um, interestingly, we like had the chess clock for which we used properly for the start of it, and our turn, our first two turns, without us like looking at the clock while we were playing or anything. They were like 16 minutes and 17 minutes exactly, which I just thought was interesting, like that they were that similar. Yeah, I think um, for me, it, I, used, I had a chess clock and I thought it was a bit of an experiment just to see, because uh, I have a little bit of a, I'll probably talk about it at the end, but I have a little bit of a hunch about um, time keeping and gaming that I think is just thoroughly down to the state of the game and nothing to do with the players. Mm-hmm. Um, and having the clock was quite a useful tool, which I'll, I thought was interesting. It was interesting, and I thought that the people in the room would appreciate it. Not that I would go to a normal tournament with a chess clock, but you know, it's uh, it was just uh, I checked my opponents before I used it. Apart from you, because I knew you loved them. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Terry? Who did you play? So I played uh, Craig in the first round uh, with his uh, Gavriel, uh, well, baby Jack list, I suppose. Uh, his Padawan Jack, I suppose we can call him. Uh, he, Jack's uh, Padawan. Jack's Padawan, Jack yeah. Being the Padawan. Yeah. Um, More like a youngling, really. A youngling, yeah. It was <laughs> uh, a pretty close game towards the end. It started out very heavily in my favour. The orb moved into one of my big units of Plague Bearers at the nice. start. Which was which was really good. So I, uh, But I had the turn, so I only scored one from it. Um, then, uh, in the, uh, second turn, it moved back towards sort of the middle. I managed to keep it there. Third turn, it moved back towards him. And then Craig kept giving me the turn at this point. So I could only score one from it. Yeah. So because he kept winning all the turn rolls, he kept forcing me to take the turn, which meant I could only score three points in the last three turns. And he was able to score nine if he wanted to, or if Um, he could, if he could, but it turns out that we actually were dead even on seven each. And it just came down to a minor win um, to Craig based on a few more points killed. Cause the problem with playing that sort of list is you fight sequiturs the entire game and big units of 20 are worth a lot of points, but you kind of have to get every last man. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I was running out of stuff towards the end of the game, just, you know, fighting against evocators and the shooting. And th- there was a lot of damage coming out, but unfortunately the objective did disappear off into Craig's territory towards the end of the game. And he had a hero with an artifact. So I couldn't quite get in there even with the amount of models I had because the, uh, he just counted as 20 every time. So yeah, the movement five hero that somehow could get to the objective. It's kind of a bit unfortunate, isn't it? Yeah, but it, the thing is, it, he was already in that part of the board. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's just yeah. unfortunate that it went towards him. Went towards him. Definitely um, the most strange way a sort of anti-heroes has ever won a game for someone, I think. Yeah. Um, but no, it was you know it was a shame to uh, to, to you know to start the masters on a on a minor loss, but it wasn't actually it too the, bad in the end. God forged blade, though, isn't it? Because he plays hammers, yeah, so, and Gavriel. So it's the uh, 
so it's just the really rubbish artifact that you have to take that nobody yeah. nobody uses that nobody wants but they have to because they want hammers of sigma um but yeah no i mean the list is solid but it just it, when when you're trying to chase that orb if it goes away from you the great and clean ones are quite hard to maneuver around even with the fly just because their bases are so large it's hard to get in places to like get in range of the orb people can block you up yeah and when when you've got big units of sequiturs and stuff you can quite easily you know sort of make a, a shape that stops that base fitting anywhere in there um yeah. but no, i mean it, it was good to play craig we played three times um in aos before and that was the first time he'd got the win and he was giving me a load of shit at the start of the game so you know it was it was coming eventually mm-hmm. it's a shame it had to be at the masters cool yeah but it's good to get the the game done i suppose yeah i mean then then the, you know the strategy there is just to submarine up for the win at that point i'll say that's why i lost my first two games so yeah <laughs> on the subject of that um round two uh what was the scenario round two Can star remember? strike star strike um so i faced mike with his very very scary slanesh army um i'd gone a nice little mandate with mike on friday night before we went back we went and got yeah, food together I saw that. Yeah. it was good i got vegan cheesecake it was unusual like getting <laughs> it getting it not the cheesecake cheesecake was great but i'm not used to stuff that tastes like that so it felt strange afterwards um maybe that was his cunning ploy to like <laughs> Like feed your cheesecake into this really rich food until yeah. I feel strange. Exactly. <laughs> well, it was a pleasure. Um, what? Well, on the subject of pleasure, if anyone got pleasure from this game, it was appropriately the Slanesh army because I just got reamed, got absolutely smashed in this. Um, Mike knows his stuff. Generally speaking, if he can, he's going to go for the double turn because that army on a double is absolute dynamite. And um, I. I looked at the table and very much like in my game of Rust thought I need to rocket my stuff over, rocketed it over and uh, I don't know how I could have mitigated against this because my stuff just it can't keep up with the birds quite so well. But the only way I could think to to be assertive and gain the upper hand in the game was to block him up and I sent a bird into one unit of um, demonettes with some minus ones hit hell striders behind them and another and some seekers and another bird into some seekers and some demonettes and a chariot with the exalted nearby which was obviously going to come in the direction of a bird to try and whack it down because it's hard enough to be able to threaten that and um i did my stuff uh, either killed things or made them fled and then mike came over uh in his hero phase popped the he gets to attack um four hits four wounds from the damage three weapon four failed four up saves because he's ren three and then um, eight out of twelve failed armor saves later on the uh, on the bird. Oh, sorry, the ward saves, which is a four plus. My bird had gone, and my flank just crumpled, and I got smashed. Um, so I'm not sure if there is a, a particular takeaway from that. He played it exactly right. I don't think I played it badly, but I just got um, just got spooned. <laughs> your your army's very fragile, though. If they can get past the blockers, yeah, like, it's... they're so quick. It's like. And if you've got something that can just remove your blockers, then that, that's a problem, right? Yeah, it definitely is. Um, I, also, to add insult to injury, he wasn't the first person to do this to me on the weekend. Terry, when I really, really needed a turn, he rolled his priority dice first and got a two, and then I got a one. 
Oh, all the time. Oh, it's it, all the time. It just feels so much more savage, right? <laughs> like it, it's devastating. You're like, I got a chance. I got. Oh, there's a one. Um, the most savage one is when you you roll a one, and they roll a one, but because you just had a go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they win on the one. <laughs> they win on a one. It's like, um, oh, on did subject. um did Mike kill anything with the temptations against you? Yeah, he took my ethereal dragon that could smash his entire army off. Um, by using that, piling in out of range, so my dragon didn't even get to attack his exalted back, and then he rolled a six. He rolled a dice, and it was, it was cocked, and then he rolled it again, and it was a six. <laughs> and um, so my ethereal dragon was taken off on a roll of a six, and my bird was taken off um, with four attacks, which I had four up saves on, and then twelve saves that I had four up saves on and failed eight of. So that was that. <laughs> and then he'd like the rest of my army, because of double pilings, I just can't stand up to it. I need to be able to stodge him up or force him to flee. And um, I couldn't, so I got pooped. Yeah, harsh. Uh, um, yeah, I don't think there's a way for me to play around that. I could have used Canary as like, get-out-of-jail-free screens, but if I'm doing that, I'm just throwing away units for free. So I think I would probably play it fairly similarly if I were to do it again. Yeah, I, I could see that. Um, I ended up playing Richie uh, with uh, Laurie's list. I should call it Richie's list now, shouldn't I? Now that mm. he's obviously bested Laurie in the uh, in the Masters in terms of placing. Um, <laughs> Laurie's gonna hate me. Well, I mean, that's <laughs> if you look at the stats, that's fact. Stats don't lie. Didn't, just uh, didn't Richie and Laurie play as well? No, I don't think no, they did. Oh, they didn't. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, they both played me, but um, that didn't go well for them. Um, so I played, um, I played Richie, um, and I've never played Richie before. Um, so I thought it'd be nice to, there's a group of people I hadn't played. Uh, so I was hoping to get to lock horns with them, so to speak, um, on the event. And, um, it was Star Strike. So obviously you have to be quite patient and I could see what Richie was going to do. He was, his first turn was really methodical. Um, he obviously knew exactly what he was doing. He was very quick. It was, you know, bish, bash, bosh, done that, done that, done that, set this up, done this. Um, and basically what he ended up in the game state, he'd, he'd launched his Phoenix into my army with uh, its sort of decent armor save. Um, I think it was on a one-up or a two-up. And then he had a Lariel basically in the middle of the table with three Wildwoods, two, all of them within six of her, yeah. with the cogs nine inches behind her, with the uh, Throne of Vines up, because you can cast it, then teleport, it doesn't count as a move. And then all the Dryads basically surrounding her with like a unit of Hunters sort of in the pocket with Scythes. Um, and I kind of looked at the game state and went, so if I if I go in to try and attack him, then he's going to basically sit in that bubble, cast a load of magic and blow up my army with mortal wounds from the woods. So I just, I was really patient. I moved up and I just controlled the space and I just stayed out of one of all the terrain. I just swept my vampire lord round, ready to come in the back because they just she just absolutely rinses dryads, gets round round the minus one to hit with the rerolls. Um, and Vordry is pretty nasty with his breath. And I thought, well, his phoenix is there. I'll just sit Vordry and I'll just breathe on the phoenix. And I'll just try and chip a few wounds off of it. I didn't cast any magic, and I thought, let's not buff it. Let's just see if I can hurt it. Um, and then, yeah, basically, with it being Starstrike, I could afford to be a little bit patient. And um, I don't remember the detail of the game, really, other than the fact that 
it was I think Richie failed a key charge with his Kernoffs. Um and I just used my my sort of my dogs and my, my, my grim gas and everything to grind through the 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 bodies and used um, my vampire and zombie dragon to bully him a little bit. Um and then just ended up re winning out on the scenario and grinding most of his army off. Can't remember if I killed a Lariel. I think she charged in and killed some grim gas but then they just grew back um and i'm quite happy if someone wants to pin 20 grim gas with a phoenix that's fine because i I just i'll just sit there and the other units can do the work and i think that's one of the things in my army i liked is i didn't have 130 if you pin one unit of 30 grim gas it's a bit of a problem because you've got 220s if one of them gets pinned up you're not really that bothered about it um and you can always retreat and leave like a dog unit in 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 melee with the bird or something like that once it's taken a few wounds it probably won't do 10 wounds to a dog unit um with a death save it's it's they're they're pretty resilient like that so uh but yeah it was a good game it was um nice to play richie i will say he was an absolute gent so in terms of like etiquette and and sort of on the table and that he was awesome to play so yeah i heard great. um i heard it throughout the game and he did there uh, i did you know i like I just kept thinking Matty was in the room. Yeah. Because, <laughs> like, when, you're back, when your back's turned and you hear, like, like he's a, obviously, like he's, a, like, he's a big guy and he's got a strong Scouse accent, and you just hear someone, like, being really, really polite and nice with that accent, I just kept on thinking, like, oh, where's Matt? Oh, no, it's not Matty. <laughs> yeah, for those who don't know, that's um, Matty Watkinson who used to be part of the scene who's, who's over in New Zealand now, uh, who we miss a lot and we talk to on Skype every now and again, but he's... Uh, yeah, it was. It's a nothing but a compliment. So uh, to, yeah, to compare definitely. the two, really. But yeah, it was great to play Richie. I thought um, he he had a very solid plan. He obviously knew what he was doing. Uh, his army's very nice as well. It was good to play him. Um, and the game just got away from him. And I think as well, we kind of had to sort of at the, towards the end of sort of think. Well, this is what's going to happen, and, and sort of because we were, we were sort of getting tight for time because with those armies, it's being tight and tactical. It does go the distance, but he was more than amicable to sort of talk for it like an adult and just play the game in the right spirit, really. So it was uh, very enjoyable, that game, and uh, I ended up with a major win and the secret mission, um, which I think was ancient heirlooms to keep my uh, my my lord alive. So, yeah, good results. I put me on two majors. Beautiful. Monsieur Terry. So I played uh, Andy Hughes with his Fire Slayers. Um, first time I played um, is Andy, Andy, Andrew, mm-hmm. and Andy, uh, Andy. and uh, out of all the people at the Masters, there was probably only about four people I'd already played before. Um, so it's like, well, you know, there's there's a lot of people here, so hopefully get some, you know, some different people to play, and uh, got to play the sort of nerfed version of Fire Slayers now. With obviously haven't really seen them much since the points changes and the and they lose the horde bonus on one of the Volcans units as well, wouldn't they? Yeah. They used to be 270, then now 360. You yeah. went too far, man. You <laughs> went too far. It's quite, it's quite a change. Um, and the character and, went up. They're still damn good, though. Yeah. Andy got to experience the Umbral Spell Portal Plaguewind combo. I heard about this. This was, this was a beautiful moment. It was uh, a Plaguewind... 3d3 damage through a hero a unit a hero a unit a unit a unit and it did the damage 
I like the way you don't even know what the hero was, but it doesn't matter because it's just like those heroes that I killed in one place. <laughs> so they got taken down to like a wound or a two wounds each on them because because they can bounce wounds or have four yeah. up saves. And he did pretty well on his saves. Like throughout the game, a lot of the stuff had like a four up re-rolling armor save with a four up board or something on after it. Like just everything was so hard to kill. And it was a case of, well, it's Nurgle versus Fire Slayers. He doesn't do a lot of damage. I don't take much damage. He didn't think I was going to do a lot of damage. but um, And you did? Yeah, I did did a fair old bit. I only took a couple of turns. And yeah, everything everything was dead. The uh, Pestilent Breath against Big Horde units did some heavy lifting as well from the uh, the Great and Clean one. Um, as soon as you can get rid of the buffs from the characters, yeah. and you can start denting the units, they, they go down very quickly. They I mean, do. Also, the, the major strength of Terry's army against an army like that is the save on the Volkites has worked out in a per-phase basis, isn't it? So Terry's got something that can do damage in the hero phase and the shooting phase prior yep. to getting to the combat phase, so... And the, can, charge phase. and the charge and phase, the charge yeah. phase. So we talked about this because he had exactly the right amount left to get the four up ward. And I charged and did impact hits and killed them. But because the the save is worked out at the start of the phase and is is static for the whole phase, so yeah. it doesn't go down like in the combat phase as you fight different units. It right. just is what it is at the start. But the yeah. charge phase is a different phase. So yeah, if you do a fatty impact hit and kill a one or two guys to knock it down under that save you love in life <laughs> it's like a uh, it's, it's like a snowball like if you if there's 24 guys in that unit and you can kill five um it makes such a big difference it's absolutely it's absolutely huge yeah so this this was uh this was good fun um for the for the nurgle shenanigans of beaming stuff and just the amount of damage that comes out of the great and clean one when he actually does well yeah with that damage free sword with the command ability up and I kept putting up incandescent form as well for the minus one to hit. That spell was yeah. just really nice. I love that um, spell. Because it basically cancelled out his plus one to hit buff from like yep. the shooting. Because he had a big unit of the 30 dudes with those like fire pike things. Yeah. Which do a lot of damage. They're great. Yeah. When, when you have that, well. yeah, when you have that uh, rune up that sixes do two, I think it's sixes do two mortal wounds or something or damage two or. Jesus Plus Christ! Damage, I think. Yeah. They, put, yeah, they put out some damage. Bloody hell! <laughs> <laughs> they uh, they took off a great and clean one, pretty sharpish. Um, when they all managed to get in and and un- unleash the fury, but um, <laughs> it was uh, it was you know it was it was uh, it was good fun. It was good to see the portal in action and how I it worked exactly in my head how I was expecting it to as well. So that was quite nice. Should we just explain it for people who maybe yeah. don't know? So with the uh, Plague Wind, you pick a point 14 inches away from the Great and Clean one, and then you draw a straight line back to the Great and Clean one. So this is a 14-inch line. But if you put it through the spell portal, you pick a point 14 inches away from the spell portal so you set up your portal just in front of the great and clean one then you set up the other one wholly within i want to say it's 18 and then you pick a point outside of that so you actually get quite a long range 
for yeah, the point. Because the line still gets traced back to the Great yeah, Unseen one. So that's that's the important bit. Is the FAQ people are unsure of where the line went? Does it just come out of the portal? So you measure portal to the you know the line back to the portal, but you actually measure the line all the way back to the Great Unseen one. So if you get the angle right, you can cut through someone's entire army doing three d three mortal wounds to everything it touches. So. You know, when when you're playing against like something like daughters and they've got a load of little hag five wound characters, if you can get the positioning right, you can take all their characters in a turn. Yeah, um, it's really and, strong. And, and this was really strong. Going through four units and two characters, and they're all one wound models as well. So that, that's you know, even if you only do like seven sort of wounds with the with the three d three, that's you know still a chunk. That that's a lot of four units you think how much how many mortal wound spells you'd have to cast to do sort of five to seven mortal wounds on four units and two heroes yeah, it's a fair spell. <laughs> the yeah. value is insane it's the problem the problem is though is you only ever get it on like plus one to cast by poking yourself with a dagger if it's that great and clean one that's casting it because i found over the weekend arcane terrain was just so scarce I either kept losing the table side that had it, or there just was none on the table. Yeah. And when, when you're just naturally going for sevens, you're not going to get many spells off. And then especially if you've got to get the portal off first as well, and then put the beam through it. Um, but yeah, no, it, it, it worked just, you know, adding it in did exactly, you know, what I, what I wanted it to do. So I'm, I'm happy it, it worked out and the addition of the spell portal was good. I definitely missed the, um, the uh, pendulum. Yeah, the the D six mortal wounds and the pendulums amazing because it's it, you know because you want to be fighting at close range anyway with the great and clean ones with their short range you know reach spells and shooting having the little short range pendulum that does D six mortal wounds just you're going to get value and hit stuff. It's great. It's great way to get you know two D six as well because if you're on the bottom the bottom of the turn and you cast it and yeah. you stop within an inch of the person. And you do D six, and they're then they get hit, they hit the, again. <laughs> they get hit again, even if they move it, because they it's within an inch when it finishes to move, or it moves through it that model. So it's basically two D six mortal wounds. So the pendulum is just so good, yeah. um, particularly in an army like yours where you're in, you're kind of in combat and and sort of survivable and just blobbing around people. Then yeah, it, you get so much value out of that. Yeah, for sure. But um, otherwise, the. Uh... Got got a uh, got a major in that one, so that was that was good to get her. And on the 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 objective landed bang in the middle of the table as well, where all the fighting was happening at the start. So I was like, right, well I'm already on this one. I'll grind this one out. His landed right off in the corner somewhere, so I could send off something to go and get that. But my one landed just behind where all the action was in my central part of the board. So just like scrum. It was at that point where where they came down. He was like, well, this you know. It's not really a lot I can do about it now. You're you're gonna cap those two. Um, I'm never gonna get back in into the score. But it didn't it didn't even really matter in the end because I, I grinded it all off pretty pretty quick once the characters went down. It's he quite um, not sure what you guys' thoughts on Ben's choices were, but it started off with two pretty swingy missions, didn't it? Like they both have the potential to absolutely like skew results. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I don't. Star Strikes and Relocation Orb are swingy, but if you've got a mobile army, it's not too bad. Um, I never really bothers me when I play that with my death. I'm like, I can get there normally. Um, I think armies like Terry's struggle because it's quite slow once yeah. it's engaged. 
Um, the, the thing is, though, it, it either struggles or you auto win. Yeah. Because yeah, so. when you've got three great and clean ones, that, that counts as 60 models if they're near the orb. Yeah. And, and when I played Blood and Glory, the orb came straight back into my corner of the board <laughs> and then it stayed there. Good luck killing it, these three dudes. It's like, right, you've got to get through 60 Plague Bearers and three great and clean ones and I'm just going to keep giving you the turn if I win it. So it's like, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to keep scoring and you can do nothing about it. If that orb doesn't come out of this corner, you've just lost. There's nothing you can do about it. Because you just can't grind through those three and get through all those plague bearers in time. Like the yeah, amount of damage anyway. you'd need to do to go through all that stuff, it, it's just not going to happen. But then on the flip side, if it disappears off into their corner, it's really hard to chase after it. Yeah. So it, that's just one of the limitations of the list, though. You either have it easy or really hard in that mission. Yeah, I suppose so. I mean, I I don't really mind so much. I find Star Strike as long as you play patiently and you're mindful of where the, the objectives can go, and in your head you just mitigate it. So oh yes, Star Strike's easy. Once the objective's yeah. down, you know where it is, so you know you've got to go and get get it. Yeah. The pro- the problem with thingy is uh, relocation orb. You could chase it into their area, it roll the turn, out. and it just goes back on the other side of the board somewhere. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so fast. <laughs> yeah, but that's yeah. why I quite like the way that. In my death list, I've got three wizards, and they kind of two of them are very quick, and I can react to that. Um, so it's yeah, it's one of those things. I kind of normally play on a diagonal around the middle of the board and just try and hold the line. And then if it if it comes backwards, then it's just a sort of like a reshuffle back to get it. If it goes into theirs, then it's an attack with the dragon to get to it. So um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. They are swingy, but I think. I think you can play around it. I don't think it's like like that silly, you know. Yeah, no, it's it's a doable one. It's just frustrating when you like you set it all up, you finally get to the orb and then it goes. You're like, Oh, just just stay there for a turn. Or you finally get it set up, they win the turn and you can only score a point from it. Yeah. But it, it you know, it's one of them things and it, it it's in there to to put a bit of randomness in. Yeah. I didn't like uh think it was positive or negative i just thought it was it was interesting it's like very uh divisive ones it's very easy to like split a field like people were incredulous in your first game when you came back and you're like minor and minor win and it's like what <laughs> like yeah. how, is, how is that even it was like one of the only minors of the entire event yeah pretty much i think yeah uh, um on to game three yeah cool so i played will barton who i'd been watching uh, have not much fun with his Star Drake uh, for the first couple of games as it was beaten in one turn by Dan's uh, Team Men. And then I can't remember what it played next. Uh, oh, Bone Splitters. Um, Ian got some um, some juicy, juicy monster times. Uh, so, what was the scenario in the third game? Uh, better part of Valor. Uh, yeah, so it was a scenario that rewarded armies with multiple units and flexibility, which I definitely had, and the Canary uh, only exaggerate that, and Will's army is kind of, it's a deploy on the board Stormcast army, really, in like the, the old-fashioned indestructible Star Drake, uh, like like up the guts, up the middle, and then destroy people sense. Um, basically, in this one, I like the, I just had massive flexibility due to the amount of units and screens that I could make 
and I sent birds into the middle and they held things up for a long time and kind of kind of did their job. It was like Will's um I had one of the best games I've ever had against him at Blackout last year. It was brilliant, super close. Uh he's a really, really great opponent. Um we just both had like horrendous luck in this like <laughs> i'm not sure if his stopped given that i was next to him when he rolled a double one on his star trek uh in the final round or saw him doing it in the either the final round or the penultimate round but um there was just like failed charges i had a dragon go into five judicators uh hit them with my bites with the re-rolls and then roll uh triple one when i needed twos to wound because it was on full health um, just like ev- everything failed everywhere and was hilarious um, but kind of the, the dice rolls didn't matter too much because my army was able to kind of screen around objectives and hold off from him and uh, I, I just had a lot of drops and they were flexible skinks were great, uh, they're very good against Stormcast players normally and the Canary have their uses as well um, but yeah great game but it, it definitely kind of it swung more and more in my favour as it went through and my birds just did their job and held up 20 sequiturs um, twice. <laughs> did you do the dirty trick of dropping the canary on and like shooting, moving into range and then just burning the objective? Uh, he took first and burnt his to stop me from doing that. So basically we ended up, um, uh, he was going to have to do a lot of damage to me. And so my job became to just stagger and speed bump. Uh, his army as much as possible. Did he burn all three of his? No, he burned just two. He burnt the outside ones and then went up just the guts in the middle. The middle. Yeah, mm. um, I. It's a really difficult. He only had about seven or eight drops, I think. And with yeah. my canary and the type of list he had, I'm not sure if he really had any other options. The other the other way to do it would be to like racket two of them and make a very strong wall, um, or something it's like that. It's not a bad way to play because if you can hold that objective to the last end of the game that's eight points so yeah exactly um i think i think it's a really i use the word wanky mission um for a lot of armies i, I really dislike this mission um, i mean if you change the burning on the first turn i think it's another matter um which i think some tournaments have kind of house ruled out which i think is is great um it is richie was talking about it actually uh, when we went for food, wasn't he, that evening, and he said, either it's over turn one or two and it's a wanky game, or it goes to turn three and then it becomes a really super tight, tactical, great game, but it, it's never really in the middle, it's one or the other. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's a great game, great opponent, always, like, it was a pleasure to see that I'd be playing him. Yeah, so um, speaking of wanky non-games, Terry, do you want to just explain what happened in yours? <laughs> uh, so the draw went up and I got a major loss. <laughs> Yeah, because you were playing Sylvaneth, right? So I was playing one drop Sylvaneth with... Laurie, so what did it? he start with? Thir- was it 30, 20, 10 or... Yeah, 32 tens and summons 20 on with Valerio, summons 10 on with a spell, probably. Yeah, could I think... I, I want to say there was more than 50 at the start, though. I think he has a 30, a 20... Well, a 10, can... maybe? Maybe you can look at the list. If yeah, you I'll double Lots check of it. Dryads anyway. But there was tons of dryads anyway. So he he knows he's going first, and I can only defend two objectives properly with this list because you have to put thirty plague barrels on one, thirty plague barrels on another to outnumber him, 
and then the three great and clean ones and the blight kings basically are left to go in the middle and fend that one for themselves and you can block it up as much as you want the problem is is because you because the objective starts 12 on and you're allowed to go up to 15 on there's even with those three big fat bases there's still enough space to just get dryads in there like within six of that objective is quite a large aura like it's, yeah. it's quite a big area and the fact that he can, you know, teleport through the woods and then make all these charges, I mean, it helped that he got cogs off as well, plus he had some branch wraith or something that gives plus one yeah, to the charge. Yeah, he gets a war singer, war singer. on the branch wraith, plus one to the charge. Yeah, plus so three. all his charges are on sixes, but because he's got starts of a command point... Starts with two. Two, because he he's got two... Yeah, so he's got two formations plus the... The command point. Mm-hmm. So he starts with a three. All those charges with all those rerolls, he's going to get enough of it in. Um, well, he's got a 30, a 20, and two tens, and then Alara could put another 20 down. And then he summoned 10 as well. 10 if you get the spell off, yeah. Yeah, which he did, because he only had nine, because he couldn't find one because it was on the floor. <laughs> um, but. So is that, what is that, 130 dryads? Something stupid like that. Well, he's he starts off with the 70. 60. Or 70. So there's 100 dryads. 100 dryads on turn one. Um, he brute forces one objective with a larial and 30 plus like a 10. The other yeah. side of the board. Oh no, sorry. He puts 20, a 10, and another 10. So there's about 40 going in. On the other side of the board, he just goes in with 30 just to go for the out number, and, you know, if he wants to. But he just ignored it. He was like, well, you've got 30 over that end. I'll ignore them. I'll just go all in on one end and they then cap the, the middle one. Right. Yeah, you go you go to the middle. with the, So the Frosty goes in and tags all the great and clean ones because he just gets in there and, you know, he's not going to die in a turn unless I get a really good magic phase. But oh, at which point... If you do, that makes him harder to kill in combat. Well, yeah, but I'm killing him with mortal wounds anyway. Not The combat doesn't really come into it. Um but unfortunately, he, he just brute-forced the objective, outscored it. If I win the turn roll, there's a chance that at this point I can I can come back in. Sorry, I, ha- I have my turn. If I do enough in my turn and then double-turn him back, there is, still a, you know, there is still a possibility that I can pull a win out of the bag because I will kill Alarial, the Frosty, and most of that Dryad Force that's in my half the board in a double turn and then he's got nothing and then i'll just go and get his objectives but because he's already up by a point because he burned he can just burn all the ones in his area or sit on them until until i'm about to get to them and then burn them so i just i just can't get back in um it you know it's a limitation of the list It, it can't it can't take that army turn one I, c- I could have played against loads of the other armies in there in that scenario it's just unfortunate that i got that one the one basically auto loss matchup in that scenario it's you know it's just it's the risk i took taking it to the event you know mm-hmm. it's i i still really dislike the scenario i've not had any fun really with that scenario just because of the way it plays yeah i've um, played it twice and it's been bad i played it um, I think three or four times. I've had one good game with the scenario against Darren at the final, 
because it was just really close and we had to actually keep count of the objectives and like count, you know, or if I, if I burn it this turn and I I could hold it for another turn and then burn it for this. And and it was quite interesting, but in the other times I've played it, it's either been, you get burnt off turn one or you burn them off turn like one or two. Like if you just overwhelm them, the game ends. I think if they, you, someone gets a turn two to three as well, it's basically impossible to come back from. Yeah. Because they can, they get four per objective they burn. Yeah. At which then, point you're you're done. <laughs> yeah. So if they um, if they you've got like two turns to try and affect something on their side of the table, um, otherwise they can snatch one of yours and just burn all three of theirs for four each, and then basically you've lost. Yeah. Um, there are ways. You know, I I thought about it afterwards. Like I could have deployed one of the plague bearers thirty wide across the table in a line. Hmm. Um, but then he can still. Do you think you'd be better off just blobbing on one of the objectives to guarantee holding it? Yeah, I I did for one of them with the thirty. I knew he couldn't take both thirties. There was no way he could take both thirties mm. in a turn. So, but I blobbed on the two outside ones so that the middle one I could go either side from. So I think I deployed it the right way. I kept the great and clean ones all in the middle, so whichever side he went hard in on, I could just instantly go that way um also in, uh, i said if i'd have got the turn afterwards he won the turn and we just called it there but in my turn i didn't get a single spell off either mm. so it was you know I, I couldn't even do any damage to get the ball rolling did he have thrown of vines up no i don't think he did he, he i just failed to cast everything because the extra d3 dis- unbind is pretty yeah, horrific I, I literally had all like bad rolls it's like all right i'll I'll, I'll go for the 3d3 plague wind through the frosty into a lariel fail to cast i'll cast rotogus spell fail to cast i'll just go for a you know the fireball spell fail to cast it's like all the mortal wound spells i could think of all failed to cast it's like well it's not been a great first turn let's roll for priority and see what happens i rolled a one cool so i just had the turn you auto win because i can't you know, you can't not roll higher than a one on a on the draw. So, mm. and we just called it there. It's like you know, I can't, I, phys- I you know, I just can't get out, and it's it's just never going to happen. Um, mm. Fair enough. It, it, so, it was disappointing for it to happen, but it was the risk, you know, taking that army to that sort of event. Sure. So that was that was that game then. Yeah. Um. So I I played um, Dan Bradshaw with his Beast of Chaos in this one. Now, for me, this mission, I've only played it once, um, and that was against Ben Savar at the final when I had Corn and he had, like, Canary and Witch Elf, so it was basically a, a bit of a non-game. So I, I'm a bit unpracticed in this mission, and I did some couple mistakes um, with my play, which is probably the thing I should focus on, really. But um, the way Dan set up, he had 30 of uh, Zangor on one objective, and he had his two nines of... Um, <laughs> Skyfires opposite the other two objectives, uh, behind the wall of Ungor, with his Ungor and Shamans giving the plus three move, gave me the first turn because he had less drops than me. Um, and I looked at it and I went, mm, if I I cast pinions and I got double pinions on my vampire lord, and I thought if I if I launch a forward and there was a piece of mystical, if I get the charge, I could go into like the Zangor and then do enough damage and they're not immune to battle shock they're not within range of the herdstone and they're not he's got no command points i could literally delete that unit 
and that gives me a big advantage because I'm a bit worried about 30's angle just just running and charging across the table and just outnumbering me with sheer amount of wounds because it's 60 wounds in that unit. So I moved up and um, I did the charge and I rolled high enough that I could have gone into the Skyfires. Now I was like, do I go into the Skyfires um, and try and take them out? And that's what I should have done purely because they fly and they're quicker and that would have put... Um, more pressure on Dan that if I would go for them, but they were, um, I don't think they would have been immune to battle shot because they weren't, they were near the herdstone, but I don't think they were wholly within six, but when he took the casualties off, he probably would have been. Um, so anyway, uh, I went into the Zangor foot unit and then he basically launched both, um, Skyfire units into my army. And I was thinking, if he double turns me here, there's a problem. Um, luckily, I won the turn roll. So he, he risked the, the roll because he thought, well, if he doesn't burn my objective and he gets the in the middle and he gets the turn, he gets just gets more points out of doing it. So um, he did decimate my Grimgast in the middle. Now, I actually had the reroll armor save triumph, which I should have burnt, but I was worried about Vordry, so I kept it. For Vordra, because I thought I'm going to have to, he's going to have to take a charge at some point in the game, or to you know, or go into them and survive. Um, so I I had a had a few of them left. I burnt a command point to keep them immune to battle shock. Um, and then obviously there's grave sites and they're around there, but I rolled really low on my healing, and I was like, didn't really have enough to sort of sit in the combat and still outnumber him. In hindsight, I probably should have just stayed there. When I went into the Zango on the first turn, I did kill 17 of them in in the round in one turn. So I was fairly happy with that. But then in Dan's first turn, he just burnt the objective that she was fighting them on and just retreated and ran towards my other objective. So I was kind of like, well, I've got 20 Grims over there, so they can probably just take them out on their own. Um, so when I got my second turn, I actually ran, moved the Grims up and charged and ran the dogs back onto the, the objective. But what I did is I flew my Vampire Lord over to his middle and thought that I could attack the Ungor there and try and like clear them off. But he had like a shaman by the headstone, so I'm one model, he's one model, so I'm never gonna get that objective. And I retreated out of the combat. Um and where Vordry was, I put Vordry into his other nine and killed six of them. But he's going next. All he does is retreat out of combat onto my back objective and just captures it. And I'm just like, well, I can't stop that. There's nothing I've got over there that can stop it. Um, so I thought, well, I'm going to lose that objective because um, he's already killed the dogs because I put them out as a screen. In hindsight, I probably should have kept the dogs at the back of the table and not and just not given him a charge because um, I didn't have to be that far forward. I should have just looked at the distance and gone, well, I'll just give him a, a, like an 11-inch charge and just sit back. And if he runs, he's not going to run far enough to get on the objective um, as long as I leave, like, like 10 models within range he can't run onto it so I, I played a little bit bad on positional and then I made a couple of bad decisions on where I went with my models and one of the worst things I did was when I was thinking well I've killed 30s Angor I've killed one unit Skyfires I'm basically like just mopping up with my vampire in the backfield I had like a unit of Grimms that I ran forward to finish the Zangor off and what I should have done is just starred out and sat on the objective because when I retreated out in the middle and I burnt the objective, because I took it back with the healing, I had more models, so I retreated out to guarantee it and burnt it. He that I wasn't in combat with him, so he could just run across and kill 
and get onto the objective and kill the dogs that were there and burn it. And I did. I miscalculated the maths, and it meant that I lost by one point with all objectives gone. So I, I thought about it. I thought I shouldn't have done that, but it was a bit late. And like even the Mortis engine, I put the Mortis engine around, charged your shaman. I could have tagged it on one of the enlightened. So like one enlightened fighting my Mortis engine or two or three of them isn't going to kill it. And it means he can't charge, he can't fight, he can't do anything with that unit in his go. But then we did the priority roll from two to three and he won that anyway. So he he would have won anyway, I think. So it was just one of those weird games where you're like, I feel like I made a couple of mistakes, but I think even if I played it right, I probably would have still lost. So it was it was just a weird game. Like I, that mission, I just need to play it more, really, or not play it at all because I, I hate it. Yeah, that's the solution. Just just get it gone, basically. <laughs> it's um, <clears throat> I definitely feel it's one that rewards armies with multiple units because the capacity to just keep stuff like six inches the other side of an objective to stop one from, from to stop someone from being able to like run over there with two models to your one or three to your two or whatever is um it definitely makes it easier but i just wish you couldn't burn in first turn <laughs> i think I, that... I almost wish you couldn't burn your own yeah, yeah make I, it interesting. I think that would be interesting like you couldn't in um scorched, scorched earth. earth like i i don't know why it changed because that was really good <laughs> well scorched earth is still a mission it's better now as well um but i think as well against dan because he can bring models on from the board edge with his summoning so yeah. i was a bit worried about that so i thought if i attack his herdstone middle objective can i can get rid of the capacity. units from the summoning yeah but the problem is the 40 of uncle although i killed loads of them i'm not going to wipe 40 out and there's only like like eight of them left but that's still enough to sit on the objective and burn it yeah definitely but they're his objectives anyway so he could burn it with nobody stood next to it which is another weird thing but <laughs> Yeah, it felt it felt a bit. It feels a bit wrong when people are like retreating onto the objectives, yeah, to capture them, and then they're burning them when nobody stood near them. It just doesn't for me. The mission, I just don't like that mission. It's it's you can burn when there's you don't even have a model there. Yeah, because it's yours, isn't it? You it's it's tag oh, yeah. and go. <laughs> oh, that's so dumb. So you can tag all three, run up in a big line, and then as they as they get. They look like they're going to get to it. You just burn them all. I literally hadn't considered that just because in my head that shouldn't be a thing. Yeah, I, I didn't. Yeah, I, that, to me, if you want to burn it, you need you something there six. in control of it. That, yeah. No, it's just being control of the objective. Oh, it's go, so. I learned a thing. Yeah. Yeah, I learned, I learned that I hate that scenario <laughs> even more. Because <laughs> that, um, that's basically what Dan did because he had the, he ran away from one and, and like he but he had it anyway so he just burnt it there's too much like, power in the priority win doesn't it because then you're like yeah. cool i want it i burn mine i kill yours yeah i and as soon as you get a point where burning means you win you just do it does so that mean you that can, you can burn two objectives on the same turn because you're or is that not allowed so like if a no, unit was on one and ran to no, another that's fine it's models, oh, yeah. most models within six that uh, yeah that feels horrible because you could have run from one to another one and burn two for like four points early doors no not four points but could burn them well you just it's literally like as soon as you get and the problem is as well the point scaling is weird because you get one point then two points then four points yeah 
So basically, on turn three, they're worth double. Yeah, it's mega. So if you're on turn two and you're thinking, I'm going to lose this, so I'm going to burn it to get two, because otherwise I'm going to lose it to him, and he wins the turn to three, and he's got control of two objectives, he's just quadrupled your score. Yeah. And you're like, and, and that's points you can no longer get. Yeah. So it's like, I got to the point where I burnt mine because I had to. And I guess that's part of the game. You force the person to burn them and then it means yeah. you're up. But he, he, I had to burn two of mine. And I was like, well, if I burn all three, I get six. He's on one. But then if he wins the turn roll to three, he burns both of his for eight and wins. So if I don't, if I don't burn all three and I keep one, then he has to get it off me. Otherwise, I can burn it on the last turn for eight. But I left it undefended or I didn't defend it well enough. And then I just lost it, and I was like, "Oh, you can just burn that for for one, and his two for three, uh, for five, so that automatically wins the game for him." Yeah, yeah. Because I'm on four, he's on six, and that's it. So it's just like, "Oh, this is weird." I don't. It just. I almost got to the point where I'm like, I'm in a position where I I just can't come back. I've I've completely played myself into this position in a way, yeah. but it's almost like you have to kind of be mindful of the numbers the whole game and any small mistake and you just auto lose. Yeah. If you, I guess if you don't have an army with throwaway units everywhere, I definitely think it is that because that's, I was on the right end of that versus a Stormcast player with like oh, anyone who can teleport with numbers and charge, you're, yeah. you're just screwed. Yeah. Because like, even, even if you do the weird janky thing of, Oh, I'm going to, I'm like, it's like Canary. You, you put them from the sky nine away you shoot, and then you can move six inches. Yeah, so if someone's put so, five judicators on yeah. an objective, you, you shoot kill one, one off, move and then you range objective, to, and then just burn it. Well, we're four up to win the game, potentially. And that's exactly what happened when I played Ben. He just dropped two units, shot, shot off my Blood Warriors, and just went, well, I've burnt it, I, and then I've won. Because it's, yeah. it's turn three, and I've burnt four of the objectives. Yeah. So I've and it, you can't come back from that. And I was like, mm, that's a bit shit, wasn't it? <laughs> what can I do about it? I can, I can't run away from the objectives because he's got the Kalari in the sky. Yeah. So he, 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 I have to keep units around the objectives, which means I can't actually play the game because I can't actually go fight him. Yeah. It, it, it just, the mission just for me, is just, it, it's just not, it's not great if I'm honest. I think it's a very good one for people to house rule impacts. You can, yeah. You can make a fairly big difference to that one with like one sentence. I just think it should have been Scorched Earth, <laughs> or even yeah. Blood and Glory. Like, no, no. <laughs> it's just the nice thing about missions. Everyone like everyone treats them differently. Um, moving on to the next one. Yeah, so that was that was the end of the day, wasn't it? So it was. then then we went out and had fun times. Oh yeah, we hung out at the venue, and like I think people probably hung out at the venue for like an hour, even though it wasn't like particularly warm or cozy there. People just wanted to chat and everyone was in pretty good mm. spirits and they were drinking their cider. And then we went back, got changed, all got in Ubers and went off for a meal, which I think like 13 out of 16 attended maybe. Yeah. Yeah, it was. I think it was just, I think was it was just, just Gary. Gary. Was it just Gary? Gary had to yeah. go home to his kids, didn't he? So it yeah, was, he that was it. It was everyone else had, come out. And we gained some people as well. We gained a Martin Morrow. We gained a... A Maudsley. Uh, a Maudsley, we did. Uh, Johnson. Yep. Uh, Spectres turned up. Yeah. Yep. Obviously, you had um, Andy, the guy who was helping yeah. Um, yeah. Ben as well, came along. So there was, there was a good group of people, wasn't it? That was great. Yeah, it was I, a laugh. I mean, I had a really good time. That was probably the, the 
best like master social. Um, I know one year we missed it because they went to Hooters and they don't do like vegan food, so yeah. we just went off somewhere on our own, didn't we? I like boobies, yeah. though. So yeah, <laughs> well, you got that anyway. So um, <laughs> just just man boobies. Um, so <laughs> we, uh, but I think this place was a place called the Distillery. And actually, Slurry, the food yeah. was pretty reasonable. I mean, it was only like we mentioned it was in advance, but it was only like eighteen quid for a free course meal. Like, it's pretty good. I mean, you know, yeah, for what it was. Um, nice, nice venue. It's basically like a pub club type place. Um, by the time that we were sort of winding down and they started putting the music on and people started filtering upstairs, it was like time to leave. Yeah, um, interesting. Yeah, but it was it was cool. Good night out, really. Yeah, it was great. Um, well, we went back and then chilled out for like probably another hour, just chatting in the hotel bar again, didn't we, on the sofas? Yeah, and we had the um, draw up as well, so we knew who we were playing in the morning. <laughs> and I took great delight because I knew I had Laurie of just <laughs> of just starting the mind games the, the night before, and just and everyone uh, else took just great delight to get, in it as well. Get into his head. Uh, it was it was quite fun. So it was definitely. Um, probably the best social uh, masters and we had some interesting chats as well about um because we were talking about the chess clock and the timings weren't we and things like that so yeah it was um it's fairly interesting because i think we we kind of come to the conclusion that uh, it's that that and two and a half hours is just isn't enough time to play a game 15 minutes makes a difference like 245 could be because <clears throat> if you deploy in quarter of an hour and yep. sort of talk through your army and what you've got and if you think how much time per turn, if you say 15 minutes a turn, it's probably not like unreasonable amount of time no, to do a turn. Get, yeah, they get faster towards the end as well. And you so know that, slower at the start. Yeah, like turn two is probably half an hour each because of all the combats and models on the table. Then when you get to the last turns, they're like 10 minutes long. But yeah. the point is, is if you think about it as quarter of an hour a turn, there's five turns. So that's... Yeah an hour 15 each that's two and a half hours but that's without deployment that's without anything else and that's if your your turns are really con- it's not a game that has lots of models or lots of stuff to work out yeah. um particularly if you've got an army that works things out inefficiently it takes a long time to work something out so it's going to take you longer or if you just have one really important thing where you have yeah. to move models carefully. or if you actually want to take five minutes to think about something you know because yep. actually sometimes you need to stop and think like in that mission against dan I I was putting myself under time pressure for no reason because I had the clock and I should have took my time, worked out what I was doing and to win the mission. Yeah. And a lot of that is inexperience of the mission. Yeah. Um, because I hadn't really played it. So I, I wasn't making good decisions. But um obviously key learning point, I won't do it again. So um I'm I feel like I'm now equipped to play that mission in a lot more effective way. Definitely. Taking five's really helpful. I remember when I was when I was playing like the best I ever felt I've played around when i was smashing it um i like it's one of the relaxing things about being on tv actually you can tell your opponent like cool take your turn and i just went to the toilet and just like took a little like like they they were doing their their movement or whatever it was and it's all on camera or you trust them or both um and i just went off to the toilet and then walked back and on the walk back you just like take two minutes for your head think about what's going on on the table and not around like your opponent and the cameras and like the table and stuff like that and then come back and you do feel quite refreshed mm. um and people often don't do that yeah i've done it before when i've 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 got an important decision to make um like normally around the beginning of the game so i'll 
while they're setting up, I'll just go like, I'm just going to go to the toilet and I'll just yeah. take five minutes to have a, have a think. Yeah. Um, like go somewhere you can do quiet. Multi- do multiple drops and then just leave them to do theirs if it's going to yeah. take them longer and then be like, cool, I dropped five and I went first. So like rock on. And very more often than not, you come back and they haven't finished anyway. So they didn't slow anything down. Mm. Exactly. So um, sometimes take your time sometimes is uh, take your time where it matters and, and speed up can. when it doesn't. <laughs> yeah. So sure. I think being efficient with your time is important. Um, but it was a great hangout anyway. Um, yeah, it was brilliant. And that was that was the end of the first day. So I, I guess we'll take a little break and we'll come back and then we'll whiz through the end and we'll, we'll sum up. So cool. uh, we'll be back in a minute. Facehammer is sponsored by Element Games. So for great customer service, all the latest Age of Sigmar releases at 20% off, and all your hobby needs, go to www.elementgames.co.uk. To support us directly, click through the banner on our website and let them know that you came from us. And we're back from the break and uh, continuing with the Masters coverage. Uh, so who are you playing in the morning then? That me? Yeah. Okay. So I was playing Craig. I had paid no attention to the missions or anything until the point at which someone told me um, that it was the one where units start on the table and can't start off. Total <laughs> commitment. So I was stoked because <laughs> this is like that you stormcast on my kryptonite at the best of times. Um, the more of the uh, the like modern crazy efficient units, the evocators and the sequiturs are in the list, the worse it is, and it was already pretty bad to start off with just because the army gets to drop from the sky and deploy more flexibly than I do, which I don't like because I want to be the fastest thing on the table. Uh, so him starting on the board was a good thing, however his list has a Vexler banner in it, which is like most underused these days, and was pretty powerful in his. Essentially I could do in this one was kind of give him a juicy enough target that he would be silly not to take it to get that teleport out of the way and then try and play the game on my own terms much like when I played with Will so that's exactly what I did he used the teleport banner to send his 10 evocators in I'd left kind of a gooey middle where there was my dragon close for him to be able to get the zaps on and a bird to make them wound slightly less and some skinks for him to smash through um but it was in the middle of the board, importantly. He wasn't on the sides. So he went in there and did his thing. Didn't kill the dragon. And then I like, I smashed him in return. I'd also made that charge quite long. So it was a 10 or a 9 um, that he had to get. Um, oh, sorry, it was a bit more. It was a, it was, yeah, it was a 10. So he needed an 8 with Gavriel's plus 2. Um, just with where things were on the board and where Gavriel could get to because his abilities hold you within 12, I believe. So he couldn't quite sneak out to be exactly 9 inches from me if he wanted to be able to get the plus 2. So that made the odds pretty, like, it's not a bad chance that he would fail that, in which case I would just get to smash the game entirely on my own terms. He made it in, uh, smashed his way through unit of skinks, did quite a lot of runes to one of the Frosties and a bit to a dragon. But then basically I played the same game I did against Will went into the middle and uh, we were laughing about it in the game but the last time I played Craig I beat him with a single unit of skinks that kind of bounced their way three units up the table over two turns to just about clinch it in uh, turn five it's one of the best games Warhammer I've ever played um, 
and uh, my skinks in this one were just as annoying. Uh, the canaries starting on the table, they were annoying too, because they're still fast and they get to move after the shoot. Um, so I managed to sneak up a couple of points earlier um, that he wasn't expecting. And then at that point, I tied him up with the monsters uh, after the evocators had been wiped out. And it was kind of a uh, uh, kill stuff, but not so fast. He gets to bring it up back on a 5+. plus. So there are a load of combats where I didn't quite want his stuff to die, but I wanted it to become less, so it wouldn't kill yeah. me in return. And, you almost uh, want to get him down to like one model, then just run away. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, and then, just to add insult to injury, in the last turn, the gamer wiped them out, and he got both units back on a 5-plus when it didn't matter. <laughs> wow. Yeah, my heart bled, because that list needs all the help it can get, doesn't it? Um, but yeah, it was, a, it was a good game, but um, I got to kind of dictate it on my own terms uh, again due to having more units and obviously massively helped by the fact that he couldn't land from the skies I don't think it would have made too much of a difference though because I could make sure he he landed where I wanted him to and Gavriel's actually restrictive in terms of where you can fit your units so if you can spread out wide or you can beckon someone in you get to pick where they go I think as well it's quite prone to being like shut down because it's a lot of drops and a lot of armies that are quite low drop and can get board control they you shouldn't really dictate where they can put their models and they're only yeah. foot models that yeah. you know anything full patrolly or something like that can yeah. really like just well, even just like off. you know silver neff i mean i did it i did it against gary which i'll get on to later with my legion of blood army it's not difficult yep um but yeah that was a major to me whoop whoop whoop, whoop. so, oh, so i i was playing uh darren with his uh, like meal prep tubs of uh, skinks, <laughs> so it's basically like little takeaway lunch. Basically, like red, ready meal skinks. Is yeah, it is. so it's like, literally little tubs of twenty to forty skinks in each tubs, and he just like dump a tump of, uh, like a tub of skinks out every time he rolled an engine to summon. So the list was a bunch of um. The, my blue ones. Yeah, <laughs> a bunch of uh, the the knights that people don't really ever take. The um, they're taken so infrequently. I can't even think what they're called. Saurus Cav. Saurus Cav. Yeah, uh, a slan and three engines. Some other little like heroes. Saurus knights, aren't they? Saurus knights now. Yeah, that's like yeah. Um, it was all in a one drop formation. Yeah, it's from the yeah Dracophian's tail, isn't it? Yeah. Um. So I knew exactly what was going to happen in this. He was going to go first and he was just going to summon for days um, because you get more points. If you get one of your opponents um, points, cause yours are worth one. There's a worth three. Yeah. Um, he, so, again, in this scenario against this sort of list, I can only defend one of the points properly because I have to put 30 plague barrels on each. And then I split either the great and clean ones onto, you know, two on one, one on the other. And then the Blight Kings go somewhere. Or I accept the fact that at some point he's going to get one of them. So I just put all three great and clean ones together and just basically go, well, you can have that one point for the first turn. And then I'll have to just play from behind because he can teleport all this stuff around and summon more stuff in. And he put the infernal blades on uh, a unit of the six uh, 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 ripodactyls 
and put them into 30 plague bearers That's and healthy and, and killed yeah <laughs> killed about i think we worked out 47 plague bearers by the time all these attacks were done so yeah that unit of 30 just instantly died um so he scored three and then from that point i was just playing from behind now because he committed i kind of wanted him to do it and he did do it and he went all in one side um i was able to then go across to his side and start capping his one for three um it took a turn more than i wanted it to and Darren was sort of, I think he was a bit hungover in the morning from a, a heavy night out. But <laughs> Unlike him. I, Understatement. <laughs> yeah. Um, he was playing a bit sloppy where I think he was just still a bit drunk, tired, and he kept leaving gaps. And every time I'd clear off a space, I'm like, right, if I win this turn roll, that's land. Through those three engines, dead. I'm going to table you. That's It's going to happen because you've left all these gaps. Um then he'd win the turn roll and then uh, then he'd summon you know 40 more skinks put them in my way then i'd have to start again i'd do it all again win the term you know he'd win the turn roll he run he won all four turn rolls and i could never get back in if i'd have won a single turn roll i'd have just got through and the game would have been mine but it's just that sort of list is so frustrating to play against when you when you can't fly over the skinks and, he, and even though the thermal rider cloak gives one of the great and clean ones fly you can <sighs> put skinks in places to stop the, yeah, landing, stop the base fitting yeah to stop the base fitting yeah. and he, he kind of didn't a few times as well so i was just able to to really you know go all in but every time it happened i just you know he go oh you know here's here's a nice gap oh, i've won the turn <laughs> so i ended up losing that one but i i thought looking at it straight away it was going to be an auto loss again like the lorry game where they just go all in on one then camp their own objectives but he didn't i was able to like properly get back in it i just needed a turn to to get like over and, and win it but it you know it was just wasn't meant to be unfortunately yeah tricky one so um i played uh lorry uh, and exactly what you just mentioned, I was worried about him doing, where he would basically go first and get into my one of my objectives and score free early and then put me on the back foot. Um, Inferno Blades is also in play in this game. So what um, what happened is Laurie went first and his plan kind of went a little bit to shit. I don't know if this is probably the best way to describe it, really. He kind of like half committed to one thing almost like he looked like he changed his mind um and he inferno bladed up a big unit of dryads and teleported them across and did his redeploy in his woods and then his deploy again and all the stuff that the winter leaf does um and he had like the dryads charge into my grim gas on the flank but I had like Vordry nearby and Gravesite and I was like, well, he's probably not going to do that much damage or get that many in because he didn't get cogs down, which was massive. And I unbound Throne of Vines. So he was, he had a bit of a bad magic phase. I think I put him on his back foot and then he didn't have the, he kind of went to try and attack the objectives, but he didn't get enough bodies in there. And I think he thought the Inferno Blades was just do a lot more damage than it than it did and then um i double turned it back basically and um went went in and just deleted um he had like his 
Phoenix, I left like a little pocket, which was just about big enough if he got a big charge for him to be able to swing the base round sideways and fit in the gap and tag my my dragon and my mortis engine. But it was kind of intentional because I thought what would happen is the mortis engine and the dragon, I could do like my magic, the mortal wounds, get a free go attacking it. Um, and it it's the rend on the dragon. You can do quite a bit of damage. Especially and the mortis not got a couple of spells off. Yeah. And he only had a, I think he only had a free up save. Yeah, two spells. And I thought, well, if he goes in that gap, then I'm probably going to almost kill it. And then in my go, I can almost like um, just use the Mortis engine to grind it, pop the Mortis engine to do more, more mortal wounds, scream at it, you know, put, you know, so I was like, well, that's fairly good if he does that. But what he rolled the charge, it wasn't quite enough to go in the gap. And he tagged, he went into the dogs and tagged the Grimgust, but he couldn't get my Vampire Lord or Mortis engine. So what I did is she basically beeline right for the middle of the table where like all the dryads were. And Vordry went the, into the middle as well. And they both basically tag team all the dryads that were in the middle of the table. And the Mortis engine flew over the top and went to attack his back objective on its own. <coughs> and I ran, and I retreated the dogs out that were in combat with dryads fighting. He put like um, dryads into like snake them around the side to hit one of my units and I just kind of ran through um through there and I thought well to be honest if I if I can get a few wounds on the dryads their bravery six minus one for my um my allegiance and they might go I'll pop the mortis engine scream the mortis engine do mortal wounds off the mortis engine and just like pop them from bravery um oh. and basically what happened was I ground off the the big dryads with inferno blades that he put into my grim gas on one objective. The two dragons went in and just did a hell of a lot of damage. Um, he had his turn, um, and I just I had a free shot at Lariel, and I just charged her with my dragon and took her out in one round of combat, much to Laurie's dismay. <laughs> um, so just went in, did the did the lance attacks, got two through, six damage. Did the bites. He passed both five up saves. I was thinking she's probably going to survive this now. Um, got seven wounds through on the claws. He failed five saves. Ten wounds, 16 wounds, dead Lariel. Oh, to the wound. One shot, yeah. So, um, to be fair, like it was, it was just to get position to get into the back end of his army, and I was able to get a breath weapon off on the Dryad uh, Branch Wraith with four dry, just do six mortals and just take her straight off. So a lot of it was just playing around that and I knew I was going to lose Vordry but the way I've been playing him he's kind of like he's kind of throwaway distraction yeah. um, get you- value out of the mortal wounds do a bit of damage and then they commit a lot to kill him and then you you they're kind of out of position all the mission's gone away yeah. so um, but it's not it that was- easy to protect anyway actually no no exactly so um, back in that second turn when I just I just managed to get into him and and you know, just take off most of his army. All he had left was a few dried units that were were just going to go. Really, I hadn't really lost anything, so uh, it was a massive win to me. But I think Laurie, um, he, I said this to Laurie and Richie actually as we were talking about their play styles. Now Richie was really like methodical and um, great. Is like pre-game setup, like Duke taking that first time and getting a really good board state with his army, where Laurie made a bit of a pig's ear of it. I don't know whether it's because he his spells didn't go off and it threw him off the scent. <coughs> oh. 
But he basically went, oh, yeah, I've, I've done this. Oh, I didn't get cogs. Oh, I didn't. And the mission's a bit weird because he, he doesn't really want to split his army up that much, I don't think. Um, and I think he tried to sort of play too much to one side but left his back objectives a little bit weak. And then... But what Laurie's really good at is once the game's going, it's reacting and making the right calls. Whereas I felt Richie was not... I'd, well, I didn't get much of a game, but I kind of thought that, that, that he's not as strong as Laurie is that. Yeah. So it's quite interesting the two different styles. With the same when list. I spoke, yeah, and when I spoke to them, they they both kind of agreed with that assessment. They sort of said, "Yeah, I can see that." Um, but it was quite interesting. But it was good to uh, go free and beat Laurie again for the third time. So uh, uh, crush his spirits, you know, that's what I always like to see. So. <laughs> and it's right because he he lets things like that drop so easily and doesn't ever yeah. bring them, yeah. <laughs> no, it's good. It's good because whenever he starts giving me shit, I can just I can just t- tell him about the time Alario got bitch slapped. Um, so no, it, it was a good game. I mean, it was a bit lucky. I'm not you know I'm not going to deny that, but I think the mission was 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 falling away from him at a rapid pace at that point. Um, and and those two dragons are just so good at bullying his army, and with them not being tagged by the Drake or not being alpha striked or one shot, they're just basically free to do what they want. And the Grimgasts with grave sites they they're not going to die to dryads they just don't they just don't and they they just grind them out so um the i the, i was always going to play this mission is leave the grim gas on the two objectives support them until i'm like well, i'm up now and then just push the dragons into his army and pressure him and all i've got to do is get one unit of dogs and a mortis engine onto one of the objectives that's going to be lightly defended and that's game over so yeah it was good it's a good game Definitely. So at that point, you are on how many wins? Three wins and one loss. Three wins and one loss. What are you on, Terry? I'm on a minor loss, a major win, major loss. Cool. Um, and I was uh, two losses. Oh, no, two major losses, sorry, because I lost Darren as well. I was on two and two at that point. So draw went up, and this was the three places. Was it three places of arcane power? Yeah. Yeah. And I was playing against Ian with his bone splitters. Um anything bone splittery, fleshy, accordsy, or iron jawsy is normally a pretty good matchup for me. Um I've got the ability to kind of dictate which parts of the army I want to attack um on my terms. And this mission, um it, it's actually it's a bit weird for me now because I've only got one hard thing that can contest, which is the dragon and the ethereal amulet. The birds don't have artifacts anymore, so like looking at the table, all I needed to do was make sure the dragon could stay on one for as long as possible, flat out ignore the other one, and try and shoot any of his small heroes that go towards it, and then like maybe pop the other one for a couple of turns with something that I'm fine with dying. Um, that was my strategy going in. Ian, uh, by his own admission, he misdeployed in this one. He let my canary get into his backfield. And that, along with my Arcanauts, was enough to pip off a couple of his characters very early. And um, that was pretty much it, really. I mean, even with the big stabbers running up and just KOing my ethereal uh, dragon, like, so fast, it was unbelievable. Um, I still managed to get up early and kind of, um, it like, it, it, wasn't, uh, it wasn't too much of a game. And he, it literally down to, he could have left... He could have deployed one of his wizards two inches further back, and I wouldn't have had that space. And he knew I had them as well, but um, he like the moment I started shooting one of the Arcanauts, um, 
and he like and the canary were down he just looked at it and just went oh i screwed this up <laughs> um but it happens um and like room for one mistake like that is all my army needs especially in a scenario where my birds are allowed to just go and fight um i haven't mentioned it yet but i took strategic genius as my command trait on my general which is an extra command point um I spoke to a couple of people about it, and they didn't seem to think it was a good idea. It's literally the best thing I've ever, like, it's it was incredible. Like, every single game, it was wicked. Just knowing that I had the reroll charges, or that I could pop reroll to hits on the dragon and reroll to wounds on the birds um, in first turn if I was going to be close to people, it made such a difference. In this one, it was the difference between um, two birds getting in, rather than one getting in and it it just secured the game for me um so i'm a big believer in command points i think they're so important uh, it's wicked and being able to just like not having to worry about your list needing to be like 1950 or maybe 1940 and just be like now nah, i got one um it's mega absolutely brilliant uh that's not to say that my dragon having an extra attack on its lance every single game every single round isn't really good but like it, that doesn't matter if your dragon doesn't make the charge <laughs> like it really doesn't so it's you're not you're not securing a definite by any means but you're making it far more likely and far more reliable so um yeah that was it for that game but um like literally it would have been a different game if my two birds hadn't made it in because that allowed me to pin two-thirds of his army basically nice must be a pretty good mission for you this one terry so this one i was on the flip side of the lorry game um i played uh dan ford with his interesting list um of seven thousand skeletons and like three five wound heroes um i I think he realistically had probably what 140 150 160 skeletons well he's got two he's got 110 skeletons and 20 black knights and five grave guard in his army yeah, so loads of loads of skeletons, loads of like just crap to grind through. Um, unfortunately for Dan, my army does a lot of more wounds. He's got range. yeah, he's got a couple of five wound heroes. He's got no range, and I've got three massive sixteen wound, probably unkillable models for his army. <laughs> um, the amount of damage he's going to put out unless he gets like all the plus attacks in the world. And maybe some extra damage coming out from the skeletons. Like all those attacks don't really do a lot when you're healing up every turn, and you know you're minus potentially did one to hit. And did you win the turn the roll for sides? Because you're both four drop, aren't you? Yeah, Dan won the turn roll, and I was like, well, that's pretty much probably it if Dan does it right. But I remembered that he had five wound heroes, and I could just murder them all. Um, <laughs> Dan put like everything in like three big lines. So, um, and then you the knights the same the front, line every single game. That is pretty much, yeah. The knights failed their charge because he was going to charge me in my deployment area and just pin me there so that he could get up a couple of points and That's start the idea. scoring and keep me out of range. So he had the right plan. Unfortunately, my army made very quick work of that failed charge, and I put three grand clean ones, sixty plague bearers, and fly pike kings into that unit of twenty knights. And, <laughs> yeah, and they died very quick. But because I'd made all these successful charges and left the big fat great and clean one till the end, he was able to pile forwards three inches, and then with his sword, 
and a help from a couple of plague bearers that also did the same take off his one up save um hero with the scales ignac scales the four up wound just chilling out on an objective at which point i bopped him off the objective and i won the turn going into the second turn and down shook my hand yeah it's like yeah i there's i've got you know it's an impossible game the matchup's terrible it's one of my best scenarios in the you know three three places of arcane power one ground clean one on each you can grind a couple of them out but by the time you've done it they've scored too much anyway yeah it's it's a great scenario for thrice fold like that and a couple of like border war and stuff and duality you're just laughing those scenarios unless you um get pulled off the objective by a slaughter priest um (laughs) get over here yeah but yeah, it was it was it was a bad matchup for Dan in the way that it was for for me against Laurie. Um, and then yeah, so we got the major in that. Um, very I don't quick know if game. It's, a, it's that bad for him. I mean, he's got he's got an awful lot of the bodies, good screens, and the heroes are quite survivable if you surround them. I mean, it sounds like he just misplayed it slightly. The the problem um, is is if I if he doesn't go at the objectives and sit on them straight I'll away, I'll get there first, and then he'll never get me off of them. So he had yeah, to go but, for them. Yeah, he does, but he can stop you getting anywhere near his heroes with melee damage. He can't, yeah, it's um, pla- Plague Wind, Rotogus' spell. Like, yeah, but that's his, not how you killed him, is his it? Characters don't, his characters don't fly, though, Russ, so if his screen that he's trying to run in front of his characters doesn't run as far as he needs to to reach the objective, he's just lost himself the game there. His, his skeleton well, screen no. doesn't move that, that quickly at all. It doesn't need to move. He can put the grave sites down set them in the graves knowing full well that he's going to be more nine away from you and he can just move the characters up and then just put the skeletons in a big ring around him yeah as long as he places the grave sites correctly plus he's playing legion of night so he can actually come up um from the edges yeah and he does have one of the heroes does fly because he's got the um yeah the, he's got the uh, night horn hero yeah yeah lord executioner as yeah. his general so I don't know. Like for me, I, I I don't think it's as academic bad matchup as you think. I think it's hard for him because you have got ways to do more wounds to the heroes. But one's got a four more wound save. You can bounce wounds. One's minus one to hit. I mean, it's he's got some got some options. You know, he, he can dispel you. I mean, it's not. I wouldn't say it's an auto. Yeah, auto I he, loss. I think he's only got two unbinds in his army though. Yeah, but and no, I've got you only six have to more stop. wound spells effectively because of the realm spell getting fireball every time, and I think we yeah. had like another fire. I'm spell. not saying you don't do that; you can't do damage with spells. I'm yeah. just saying he only has to survive. You know, he only has to go go turn one, takes objective. You have a magic phase, probably not a lot in range because of where he is, or you know, you, you do a bit of damage, can't get to the heroes. He wins the turn roll, scores. You have one turn if you don't kill them all. If you kill one, take one. He's still got two more. If he then gets the turn roll, then you know it's. So I don't think it's as academic as as you say, but I think it is a hard matchup for him. But I wouldn't say it's uh, auto loss. Yeah, maybe he just didn't play it right. But he, um, yeah, he he conceded on the first priority roll. So um, unfortunately, uh, at that point, his heroes were were dead or couldn't influence the game at all. So. Um, yeah, I, I was happy to just pick up the win and be done with it in that one. As much as I yeah. like Dan, I didn't want to just sit there and grind against a hundred. Job, it wasn't focal 10, points or so. Yeah, like. hundred and ten skeletons for two and a half hours. Ah, uh, lies. You would have loved smashing them up. <laughs> mm, Terry two <Nah>. times. <laughs> 
Um, so I had the um, the pleasure of playing Steve Curtis, or Blood Brother, as I like to call him now, <laughs> with the other Legion of Bloodless, because he actually, I thought he was going to beat Dan. Um, and I knew I'd end up playing Steve, and what I was hoping that he would beat Dan, and then I would face him for the win, basically. Yeah. Um, but Dan basically went on to be undefeated, which is, you know, unfortunate for me. But um, this was three places. Now, we're both nine drops. Now, his army's very different to mine. Um, he's got his army's almost like a little bit more honed to the mine, a little bit more specialist. So I won the role for sides, and I was like, do I... Do I go first, take board position, and hope he can't smash me off the objectives? Because with double piling, chromatic cogs, you know, Vordry, and with pinions, uh, with the breath weapon, with his vamp for vampire lord, with 30 grim gas, you know, with the bellwind necromancer, and uh, I'm thinking he could literally just smash me off that middle objective, double turn me, smash the other objective, and I just lost. So I had to be, I was, I was a look a little bit of time to think about how I was going to play this. So we're almost mirroring the dog set up, the screens. And I, what I did is I, I put my, when I put my grave sites down, I put them in such a way which allowed me to move my heroes and then pop the Grimgoss out of the graves, which would then give me a better board position um, and form like a shield around my characters. So if you imagine the three points, I, I set up my pinions vampire sort of central. I put Vordry on my left-hand side. I also put the necromancer there. But to make it look like I was going to play for the two objectives, middle and the one on my left. But what I did is I flew my my survivable vampire basically on her own with just five dogs that I ran forward onto the objective in the extreme corner on the right-hand side. So it's almost the one that's furthest it's in my the furthest away from me um, because I knew that with pinions she'd probably make it but if she didn't with a run roll and I've got a command point for a six if I need it she'd get there but literally the only thing that could go and get her would be his vampire lord with the same setup and I just don't think he would kill me I just don't think he would I put the re-rolls on her just to be a deterrent if I got double charged double turned because I had two command points I thought I might as well use one and then Vordry went centrally. I put my Grims around him. My Necromancer ran onto the other objective, and then I surrounded that with Grim Gas. The Mortis engine, I flew up and used as like a shield down Vordry's flank, and then I put, um, and then he had his turn. Now, unfortunately for him, he didn't get chromatic cogs off, which was quite lucky for me. Um, and also, um, he got the bell wind off, and he got some key. He got all his magic off. Basically, his magic he shut my magic down completely the whole game. And he had lots of very influential spells. And one of the, what he did is he put like double piling on the. Um, uh, he, he he couldn't get the the grim gas in range on the first turn, so he went up, charged Vordry into the mortis engine, didn't kill it. Um, then left it on like four wounds. Um, but I also had a dog unit there that was in free, so that tagged him as well. So he had to get rid of those. The Grim Gas went into the Grim Gas, my Grim Gas. Couldn't get through them. Didn't get the um, double piling off on the first turn because I unbound it. And then um, he, he won the turn roll to double turn me. And his other vampire was all coming in that middle objective to try and get to my Vordry. And then um, he got um, he did his magic and he did Vile Transference on my uh, Mortis Engine. And he cast it on a nine, so he gets it twice. 
So he did 2d3 mortal wounds to my mortis engine. So he got four left. He popped the five mortal wounds. I've got five death saves to make. Two sixes. Saved it. Left it on one wound. <laughs> still pinning Vordry. I'm like, fucking get in. His um, his Grim Gas, he got the double piling off. So I was like, oh, fuck. I can't remember. And then my Vordry is kind of in the pocket. It's just in the pocket being protected. Now he gets his turn. He does his damage. He does double piling. My Grim Gas go down to a single model. And I pop the command point to keep them alive. Now I did a bit of a fuck up here because where he surrounded me, I thought I still had two bases worth and then I could put one out to be within an inch so I could get coherency and I could grow them back around Vordry. But as he did the casualties from the um, the Grimgasts, I took his Vordry out of combat so we couldn't pile into my Vordry because what he was going to do was pile him in but then hit my Vordry because um, he cleared my... He did the breath weapon on the um, Mortis Edge to kill it. But then, obviously, he's already still in combat, so he, he hasn't had a chance to charge me. Um, and the um, he killed the dog and the, and the and the Grimgast, but he killed enough Grimgast I could take Vordra out of combat so he couldn't pile in and he hadn't charged. Um, and then when I did my turn on the on turn two, I, I could grow the Grimgast back, but I couldn't put them anywhere because I couldn't put them in coherency or outside of free of Vordry. And you're not allowed to put them within three of a model. You're not already within three of a unit. So I couldn't actually put any more down. So I had one Grimgas left alive. So it was a bit annoying, but I was like, well, I'll, it's fine. I, I, I messed up a bit there, but it's fine. He's still doing a job. He's still he's still being annoying. And actually, he did survive another round of combat for some reason. Um, although he was trying to put all the attacks on my Vordry. Yeah, my Vordry was just grinding through his Grimgast. Um and my vampire was on the other objective, my necro was on the other objective, and that basically meant that I'd scored six and he'd scored nothing. And then going into between turns two to three, I double turned him and scored the nine, and that was it, game over. So um it was uh yeah, it was one of those games where we both knew exactly what we had to do each, and it was small margins, and it was the odd death save or the odd fail spell. Yeah, yeah, which made a difference. Um and I think I played it right. I think he had a better list than me. Um, I got lucky on the I got the fortune of winning the first turn. <clears throat> I did have a plan to attack him off the objectives if I had to, and I felt that my list would probably be a bit more flexible than his in attacking because I've got two Grim Gash units and not one big one. So his is a lot more. I can kind of spread my damage out over a bigger area. Um. But it was a really good game. I mean, we were talking through it um, and we knew exactly what each person was going to do, what we had to stop, what was going to work, what wasn't going to work, what we had to worry about. Um, and it got to the point where because I had the three free objectives, I think even if he'd killed Vordry, he'd won that turn and taken that objective. I still would have had two objectives to his one. I still don't think he would have got back in the game because I had my the Grimgast, which was died in the middle. I had a gravesite by my other vampire, which I would have just flooded them in front of her. And then he wouldn't have been able to get to her. And then my my necromancer was in the pocket as well, surrounded by models. So I was like, well, he can't really get to the necro. He's got, you know, he's got the bounce, the wound to the unit next to him. And all he's got to do is score, you know, three turns. And he's basically done his job. And then I don't, I set that sight then. 
So I think because I had such a strong board position using the deploying the graves and pop up, there was nothing really Steve could do unless he got a impactful double turn and killed my models in the middle and then was able to sweep into the side. But I just didn't give him the opportunity with the way I set up. So I was really happy with my play in that. But um, yeah, it was a good game. It was yeah, it was it's a like pleasure a to play Steve. I'd like to, I really like to play him and Richie. Actually, I think me and Richie are going to get some yeah. games in because it's quite local to me. Yeah, I had to get my revenge on him, so then he beat me at the uh, Doggers Invitational, mm. where my Vaudrey went into his and rubber lanced, and then he just completely smacked me down. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was good. Uh, I, 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 yeah, it's really good. Me and Steve were talking a lot at the weekend about lists and and stuff, so I did say that I'd, I'd like to get him on the show to talk about Legions and the Gash. I know we've talked about a review, but it's probably best to get someone on who's living and breathing the book to talk about it, so... Hopefully he'll be up for that. But Sweet. yeah, it was a great game. All right, then five games down. So uh, comes to the final round. Start uh, final round. Final round. Started playing a face hammer bro, and and Terry's like, "Barring your tables over there, mate." Points me towards the table, and then he just walks the other side of it and is like, "Hello." <laughs> Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Ben was walking by and went, oh it's you and he said that I just had the biggest grin on um, which I did because I knew he'd have a good last game so um, scenario in this one what in the last it mission was focal points focal points okay um, I don't I don't know what the names mean in comparison to what happened it was the five objectives and if you hold the opposite oh, ones one. you get three instead of one point cool. All right, then. So I remember this one pretty well for various reasons. Um, Terry went first because he gets to choose and just kind of went up and established, like, I'm Nurgle, come get me um, position. Uh, got a fair few points. And I had a few I decisions. I scored four. So I got the yeah. middle and, and my objective down at the bottom of the board and my objective to the right-hand right, side yeah. of the board. Yeah, you got a, a, like kind of like three points of a triangle of them. Um I had a few decisions here because he's come at me. I've got a lot of movement and I can choose where I go. Now, looking at the board, um, his rear one was protected by a unit of Vikings, which is actually quite bad for pretty much everything in my army that's not a monster. Um, and there's these two units of play bearers and then the three fatties behind. I didn't know whether to go over and like wipe one, uh, which was kind of screening all three of his... Um, unclean ones or to like like tag one with one bird on its own which could get completely mobbed and with spells and um any buffs to the plague bearers would actually be at risk um also would put me at risk of terry like either giving me turn and then me not being able to buff with my spells or aggressively taking the turn but not casting his own spells um because my first turn of magic wasn't particularly amazing i don't think was it terry um you had a plus three and plus four i know i had a really good one and then i won it and then and then you didn't okay that's it so i went i went for looking at the board i really did the the biggest thing i was afraid of was him killing my wizards which therefore neuters my birds and then me just crumbling so rather than splitting i went for everything on the one unit of plague bearers in order to afford myself the opportunity with wiping them out and pile-ins um, to get behind into his gooey centre that's not that gooey and is actually quite resilient and start hitting the big guys. Um, I did not want uh, Rotigus to survive because I cannot take anything that's like Nurgle Reign of Stars. Like my, my heroes would just get absolutely smashed. I've got five wounds on the Pegasus, five, uh, four wounds on the Skink Priest, 
um, and then the warlocks if they if they take any amount of damage they crumble to battleshock as well. Yeah, they do. <laughs> <laughs> All right, especially so, um, a fatty charge. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, I won the priority. Thought like right, we're on for a chance here. Um, I've got a D6 damage spell from the warlocks. I'm on arcane. I've got searing doom from the uh, from the Pegasus guy, both of which are wicked. And um, I failed both spells, which not only stopped me from getting the damage, it also stopped me from getting the birds buffs. So it's kind of like a like a real like it hurts you way more than just the effect of the spells in my list. It makes a really big difference. Um, not only that, but it stops you from being able to kill things that you're locked in combat within the hero phase to then get a move and a charge in the movement phases um, to to pick your targets. So that like I only got half my magic off, um, and they were a bit neutered. So from there. I all I could do really was try and damage the plague bearers enough to be able to get a pile in round, and um, and knock out um, knock out Roticus and then another one of the big guys. And actually, what happened was I knocked out Roticus, which is great with the Arcanaut shooting and a bit of other stuff. And there was uh, so much damage from the Arcanaut shooting. Yeah, they did well. I they think tried. on a- on <clears throat> average, each unit did like four to five wounds. Yeah, they did. They did a of number. his sixteen. They took him down to like three or four four wounds left before the combat phase had even begun. And they look out Sarah's great. So I got down Roticus, piled the dragon round, didn't under allocate there. Um, got him out and then with the pile in through the like three plague bearers that was left or something which was kind of what i was hoping for i got to poke the nose of Frostheart through and take out um another one of your great unclean ones although when we recounted the beans we found out that i'd left it alive on one wound yeah um, i picked i picked up the big handful i was like oh hang on there's only 15 here i'm not actually dead i've got one wound left so just to be a heartbreak we took the model off and then put it back on <laughs> and um kind of from that point like things had looked very very up in my favor and then um terry two turns would you like to take the story from this point so i got the turn i locked all your middle stuff in combat didn't i with the plague i oh, know so the plate the plague bearers died yeah then your birds were free to to do what they liked but it was my turn so yeah, i knew i could i could do something about them the blight kings uh, moved around the bottom killed 10 skinks, 5 canaries, 10 archonauts, and potentially 5 more canaries coming up after that. Um, This was for a double turn, not all in one turn. Uh, On on the top side of the board, 30 plague bearers and the great and clean one with the cloak and the sword went and did the business on 20 other archonauts, 10 more skinks. Um, And then that freed um, me up to do a... D3 mortal wound spell. Yeah, you had three Arcanauts pinning your flying guy in combat. Yep. And did three mortal wounds spell. Did three mortal. I failed to dispel it. Three mortal wounds, exactly. He's free. And then he just went and stomped through people following your 11-inch charge. Yeah, so he shot the uh, Warlocks with Pestilent Breath, then shot them with his gun, then charged them, and took them down to, what, a couple left. Went through those into the uh, Skink from the piling bashed him on the head as well um so in that double turn i'd i'd ignored the three birds but at the same time i'd locked them with plague bearers so i was in within three so you weren't free to roam off with them um at this point i'd capped all um four objectives plus the center and scored the eight points didn't you ran your guy one wound away to the other one and then popped up ten plague bearers there uh, yeah put, put five up in front of him 
Um, and then, yeah, so the Blight Kings just went all John Wick mode, didn't they? And oh my God. Like, two <laughs> Blight Kings did 11 wounds to Ark... No, or, yeah, it was like 11 wounds to Arcanauts or something. After yeah, six. from a few cheeky little sixes. Um, it, yeah, it went rapidly downhill very quickly. Like, the charges all worked, the spells did what they needed to do that you know the pylons were good the the damage was all correct like ev- everything just worked um and then it got to the point where even if you won any turn rolls and started rampaging around the board and killing stuff you could only ever cap like an objective one at a time and only be in one place but at that point you, you were just spread all, all the small bits were dead and it was just three monsters left wasn't it and and the uh the peg guy yeah, that was it. Um, just kind of four guys, which wasn't enough. Um, it, I still don't know whether to, like it felt like the decision was right to do what I needed to do because I just did not want your magic to survive because it has the capacity to kind of like rip out like the the technical heart of my army, which yeah. is the spells. I I think having all of it go in the middle though might have been the the wrong call when i was looking at it i was hoping you would wouldn't send one bird off around the bottom on his own to just murder all the blight kings um yeah the problem is there that it would have been out of range of my spells and if you chose to not cast then but i, like, but I have to cast to kill all your stuff because i can't touch an ethereal dragon without casting yeah so i'm always going to cast i uh, yeah i thought you might take the option not to or nah. <laughs> if i if i win the if i win the turn roll there and I take it, or you give me the turn, then all of my spells drop off that bird. And um, actually, like a lot of things are a risk to a bird that has a 5-up save followed by a 4-up save and has taken a couple of wounds. Um, but yeah, I still don't know whether I should have or not. It felt at the time like I made the right decision, but I don't know whether I should have split one off and just been like, right, you'll, you have to go it on your own. I didn't want to split the dragon off because he's got way more damage potential to the plague bearers than the birds do. Um, even though he's the most resilient single piece, kind of autonomously. Um, So it would have had to have been one of the birds. Maybe I should have, but I still don't know whether I should have sent it towards your your back objective with the Blight Kings on it, or just used it to pin up those plague bearers who went on a rampage. Like, if they'd been pinned up and you'd had to send the Fatties, or you'd had to flee, then that could have changed how the game went. yeah, it was a really good one, and it's always nice to know that your your last game's going to be like, even if it does involve you just getting pasted, um, it's going to be nice and relaxed and chilled out. So, I was... find that army does that a lot. Like you're looking in a bad spot, you double turn them and you just take the whole army off. Yeah, it's a bit like the Slanesh one. Like it's got, ironically, because it's so fast, um, it's got the potential to just go complete YOLO. Yeah. There's a lot of damage though that you can stack out from Yeah. Like all the phases you can do mortal wounds in. Yeah. With like the speed and, and the wheel and you can just two turns of that, you're effectively getting like eight sets of D three mortal wounds. It's like it, it just does it just adds up to Yeah, it was, that's why I was so afraid of the big guys and why like looking at the table, um it's like looking at the table and then prioritizing heraldors when I play Stormcast, for example. Like I'll send my dragon to kill a heraldor if he like if I've got arcane terrain that I need to get my spells off because it's so important to what I do. So I saw the big guys. Um, Terry failed to get off the mirror um, and the beam <laughs> and the beam in the first turn. I was like, cool. I don't want to risk that happening again. I'm going on a wrecking spree, and um, 
went and did my best but didn't quite make it and leaving that guy on one wound like i know what happens if you leave that guy on one wound <laughs> terry said enough times if, if you leave a great and clean one on wound and get double turned that that could be back up to 16 wounds yeah i, I like, knew what... <laughs> it's, it's entirely possible so um yeah I got you, you could the wheel could heal you d3 you innately heal d3 you could put a plague wind through for d3 and then you could just do that again straight away afterwards yep. in the following turn so it, was on the receiving it's, it is but... heartbreaking it was all right. It was a it was a pretty chilled out um, one to end the event on, and also looking at it because it could have so easily gone the other way. It like yeah. looking at my final standing. It's nice to know that actually I could have had whatever it is twenty more points there, or what was the scoring? Uh, thirty. Thirty. Yes, I could have had thirty points there. I don't know where that would have put me. Um, I think maybe about four, where I was, fourth, four, fifth, sixth, somewhere around there. Uh, yeah. Um, which I would like, I'm, I'm pleased with my position anyway, but it could have very easily been uh, something else. Yeah. Yeah. And I had um, the pleasure of playing Gary Percival's Stormcast Army, um, which, you know, not not sarcastic. I actually, um, I played Max at the team event and he was using a similar army, uh, not quite the same, uh, but very similar, uh, same models. Um, but I was, it was kind of nice because I've not played Gary before. So it was nice to get that shot at him. And I think because um, of the way it panned out with Steve losing to Dan, if Steve had beaten Dan, I would have played Gary in three places of Arcane Power, which would have been a great mission for me. Um, but actually, equally, playing Steve in that was good because I think Steve's list better than mine. But he seems to think my list is better in a straight-up fight. But anyway, um, so the way this round panned out, I'm playing Gary on table two. Richie is playing Dan on table one. Now, if Richie's four and one, I'm um, four and one. Um, oh, I think Richie was four and two, maybe. I can't remember. But anyway, yeah, I think Richie was four and two. I was four and one. Uh, Gary's four and two. Uh, sorry, three and two. Richie's three and two. I'm four and one. And Dan's five and oh. So if Richie beats Dan and I beat Gary, I'm the master. If Gary beats me and Richie beats Dan, then I think Richie's the master because Dan and him would be equal, then it would come down to the head-to-head and Richie just beat him. If Dan wins, he's just the master because, you know, he's on six wins. Um, So it was kind of all to play for in the last round, which made it quite exciting because we were all trying to do, like, theory at who's going to win, and it, we thought it was Dan, and then we were like, oh, no, Russ could still win. Oh, no, actually, Richie could still win, because there would be three of us tied on five wins um, and one loss. Oh, yeah, so Richie must have been on the same as me. So we would have all been on five wins, one loss, and then it would come down to... It would come down head-to-head, but because there's three of us, it can't do that, so it goes straight to secondary. And on secondaries, I had all my secret missions, and I had more VPs. So if it got to that, I would have won the Masters. Um, obviously, I didn't. But um played Gary in the last mission. Now, it's really weird, because people look at his army, and they go, oh, it's really good, and it's disgusting. And I was like, but because of the amount of drops he's got in his army, because um, he's like a 10-drop army, I'm guaranteed to go first. And... When you when you've got an army like mine, I can I'm so quick I can spread out and basically shut most of the board off. So I put my grave sites down with the intention of putting the Grimgast under the graves and then popping them out to get a better board position. 
um, using my dragon to run forward to pop them out, <laughs> and then using my stuff like my mortis engine, my my dogs and that to just shut the entire table down so he can't come on anywhere but the corner he's in. Now, because I've got amethystine pinions as well, if I got that spell off, then I could probably attack him as well. And if I get that charge into his army, he can't go within nine of that model as well. So it basically shuts off his entire table from bringing models down. So we start deploying, and um, I'm sort of playing it cool, putting the odd thing down, you know, da, 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 da. and Gary's like, yeah, put this there, put this up in the sky, put this here, put this up in the sky. And he normally starts with, like, one unit of sequiturs, the Arcanum, three Aether Wing, a Heraldor, and all that on the table, and the banner, just all behind this bit of terrain. <coughs> and then he thinks, well, I can run in charge, I can teleport, I can Gavriel from the sky with two big units of 20. And then it gets to his last deployment drop, and I've put 20 Grimgas in the floor, and I've got a unit of dogs in the, in the graves. And he deploys, um, he puts another unit of 20 in the sky. And then we sort of shake hands, and he goes, oh, so I'm going to go first. And he kind of stopped, and he went, oh, hang on a minute. I said, do you, do you mind if I redeploy deploy that unit on the table instead of in the sky? And I said, no, it's all right. I haven't done nothing yet. And he said, I've just noticed that you're just going to run forward and just basically shut the whole table off. And I was like, yeah, it's a good job you spotted that. <laughs> and then he, he deployed him on the, the table. But I said to him, but all that's doing is giving me a target for my dragons. And where he had to put them, he was quite far back because he was worried about getting charged. So I had my first, I went first, shut the table down as I was going to cast pinions on my dragon, pop the 10, plus 10 move, 24-inch move, just launched us straight into the middle of his army, just thinking if I get the charge in here, it's all game on. Um, popped up the direwolves from the grave with and run Vordry forward, which is probably a mistake, but he deployed the unit to have six models within range, and I ran the other dog unit. So with Vordry, the dog unit of five, and one of the dogs from the other unit, I had seven in range, which then popped the objective into mine, into my control, which scored me three points there, two in the middle, and one point for the other objective. So it gave me quite a big lead straight away. I charged my Vampire Lord into the unit behind the train, and I thought, well, it's going to fight him there, do some damage, killed a few. Um, and then he was kind of like, oh, shit, um, don't want to fight her because she's never going to die. Um, so he ran... In his go, he heraldled and ran out and then dropped his army and double heraldled, he triple heraldled the terrain that Vordry was stood on because he failed his charge. And I didn't, I opted not to use the command point to reroll. And partly was because if I charged the big unit, he could pile in and then take the objective back off me. And I didn't want that to happen. Although I'd be in his army fighting him, I kind of wanted to get the early lead. Um, <clears throat> and it gave Vordry a big, tempty target for him. Um, and essentially what happened was is Gary just spent a lot of time fighting Vordry and my Grimgas and, and, and sort of pushing up the table. And I just used my Vampire Lord to bully. I got his Vexler banner down um, with the Breath Weapon, which allowed me to then not worry about him coming from the sky because all the units were on the table. But I had to be worried if I killed a unit and he rolled a five, he could deploy them on the table. So I killed one unit and he didn't pop the five. And then I was thinking, well, if he if he does the other unit, then I've just got to make sure that there's no gap for him to get an objective. 
So it's quite hard to play around because you've got to spend most of your army's got to stand around in weird positions. Um, but I did, it did go the distance and we got to the point where he double turned me between two and three, um, which was a little bit, it was a bit annoying because I lost, I did lose Vordra, I did lose the Mortis engine, uh, but I, I lost unit of gas, but I had, I had so many scenario points. There was no way he was going to come back from that. And the major was away from him. Um, and then as we played it out, my vampire Lord on dragon was just, just a beat stick killed like the arcane and killed another unit, um, killed Heraldors took the, and I took the middle by popping up the Grims and going in. We, we basically sort of theoried it a little bit and said, well, what's going to happen? Because we were sort of conscious of time and stuff. And we were kind of thinking we could play it out, but it's pretty obvious where it's going. And I'd already got the major secure, so he kind of uh, played it through that. But yeah, it was a good game. Um, I don't really feel phased playing that, but I think it was really useful for me to play it at the team event to understand exactly what it did. Yeah, um, I played it the same way there, and it worked. Um, so I just played the same game really, and just just played the um, played the mission. Um, tried to keep him away from the objectives, and and you know just just should keep the board shut down. Um, it seemed to work fine, so. I was fairly happy with that, but that was a major to me, putting me on five majors. Um, but unfortunately, Richie wasn't able to topple Dan on table one, and and Dan uh, was the master, and I came in second. Um, but yeah, great, great result, and I think um, Dan's a very deserving winner. Um, he it was clear when I played Dan that he knew the scenario very well, knew the army well, he was solid, he was quite decisive, he was quick at his play, and I think um, he's obviously experienced, he watches a lot of Warhammer, plays a lot of Warhammer, so I think that really helped him out, and he, he had some tough games to win, um, and he, he won all his six games and went out on on the, and the night out and was a bit worse for wear on Sunday. But Didn't stop him. No, and quite a nice, uh, quite a nice new... It's sort of good to get a new master into the fold, and I think it was great that he took it out, and yeah, really pleased for him. So I think it's a great result for him. Sweet. Is that the first time a GW employee has been a master? Uh, past, don't know. Don't know. I think so. Depends if you mean employee or ex-employee. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, yeah, I don't know, but maybe. But I think it's it was really good that um, he was able to take it out with Beast, and it was quite funny in the last show. When we talk about all the lists, I sort of said, "You never know. Dan might win it with Beast, and everyone goes out and buys his Beastman army." Mm. So, uh, I'm at games, yeah. Scott. Get, games. get your head in it. <laughs> <laughs> get your Zinch army. I mean, Beastman. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Zinchman. Yeah. But yeah, it was cool. I, I had a really good time at the Masters. I so had I think a it was... brilliant time. It made me. It reminded me of the Old Bud and Glory, which was pretty much my favourite event. So. It's got me super excited about Age of Sigmar in general. Like the gaming at that event felt like the old top table games you used to get during seventh and eighth edition, um, but more fun. And I just like I just can't wait to play more Warhammer now. I'm really infused. Um, I think the the crowd was great. The event was great. Variety of armies as well. I mean, like it's very easy to just yeah. look at the list and be like, oh, they're all filth. Um, but actually, like some people, like Savo was trying out some really new Night Haunt stuff. Um, Will Barton's list was like kind of a hybrid between a load of others. Um, Laurie's list was in attendance twice, but I mean, it's he's famous for taking it, but still, it's not, you don't see it everywhere. There's quite a lot of variety there. Um, 
Yeah, and I think that was the great thing about the Masters, that the the actual different missions that were being played and the armies that were being played, the games were interesting, they were varied. And although I played two identical Sylvaneth armies, they were played differently. So Richie played a very different game to Laurie. Laurie was more about being aggressive with the combat and Richie was more about being defensive with the magic mortal wound output. And the two scenarios made that very different game and it was still very enjoyable. Um, and I think, you know, having to play against uh, Legion of Blood was tough. The Beastman was a tough game. Um, ultimately, I think I could have won that and I just made a few bad calls. And then, yeah, I think it was um, it was great and a nice mix of armies. I'm glad I didn't have to play uh, Dan Ford's army, but I still think I would have had a good army, if, a good game if I played against it. Yeah. It's just... Uh, yeah, it was it was interesting. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I love smashing hordes. So I would have loved it. <laughs> so I think I mean it was at the Boards and Swords um, hobby venue in Derby, wasn't it? Which was pretty was pretty cool for what it is. I, I was quite amazed. I was chatting to Andy, um, the chap helping out during one of the games, uh, and um, after I'd finished, and we were looking around the venue, looking at what games were being played and how many people were there, and it was really busy on the Sunday, and there was like a, there was like a, I think there was a Keyforge tournament, yeah, was. and there was Titanicus going on, and there was like 40k, and you know, so the Masters upstairs, and it's actually like quite cool, so, I mean, I know Ben's plugged it, but if you're local, then, you know, check it out as a gaming venue, it's it's pretty cool, you know. Yeah, definitely. But I think, um, unless you guys want to say anything more, um, we could sort of wrap that up. Yeah, I just, like, just had an amazing time. Thanks to everyone involved, like Ben for running it and the people who attended because just everyone was lovely and awesome. Um, I think it's probably one for another time, but I think there is an interesting discussion kind of touched on when you spoke about Laurie and Richie and their playstyles about, um, and it, it's come up recently as well in some chats, about different ways to build and play with armies like reactionary and deployment based and stuff like that which i think possibly would be really like uh, it's been highlighted in recent times especially with more polarization of lists and people taking hordes and stuff like that how different play styles can actually be more useful or yeah less useful with different types of lists but that's one for like an entire episode in its own i think yeah, what about you, Terry? Anything to add? Just uh, basically everything you guys have just said. You know, cheers to Ben for for doing it once again, and it was cheeky. You know, little venue upstairs. Like I liked just looking over at what was going on, like from the the, the balcony that we were playing on. Yeah, I think it's it, quite you know it's quite cool. Like the venue's awesome. It just needs like a few little touches. A bit like when Bristol um, first did theirs, and they and they put like the carpet tiles down and put some curtains up and just made it a bit more like comforting and like that's that's literally all it needs and it'll be a banging little venue yeah um loads of space for parking as well which is nice i hate when we go to events and you've either got to pay like 15 quid to park for a day or you've got to park bloody miles away <laughs> carry yeah. it up across some puddles yeah yeah so it's nice just being able to pull up like right outside as well it's always good but yeah the, the social on the saturday was um pretty epic as well i know we didn't stay out till like early hours of the morning but we all went back to the just like hanging the up. hotel didn't we and just had like a little hangout at the hotel and just talked to army lists yeah yeah we had some interesting discussions about uh different list bills we could do but i think um just just great event great crowd um i know ben's got some changes that he wants to do for the masters Side that he's changes. 
he's put up on TGA, but I think it's probably best that when I get Ben on him to talk about that personally. Um, but obviously you can check out the TGA thread. Uh, South Coast GT tickets are going up on the 2nd of February. Um, we have hosted the pack and the information on the Facehammer website because Helen Hammer is no more. So um, if you want to know about that, you can head over to our website and check it out there. It's on the TGA post. Um, really hope people come along and support um, the event. I'm really excited to announce that um, uh, Matt Lyons from Pro Painted is going to be supplying the painting trophies and um, guest judging um, as one of the sort of sponsors of the South Coast um, and so really happy to team up with him um, as he's sort of starting to do trophies as part of his business um, so it's good to support him and good that he can support the our event um, and also Ben Curry uh, will be supplying all terrain and mats for every table at South Coast so this is the first year that people won't need to bring terrain and also um neoprene mats will be on the tables but if people do want to bring theme terrain and they because they they got a theme army and they love their terrain then you can um as long as your opponent agrees to use it um then it's fine so no modeling for advantage brian carmichael i've already seen your message about that so you <laughs> knock that on the head straight away um so um hopefully um, people will come along. Uh, we'll do a show on that. I, I want to try and get Dan on to talk about the event, um, how it's grown over the last 11 years uh, and uh, where we are with that and uh, and where we want to go with it in the future. Um, as one of the organisers, it's it's always great to see that support. So um, hopefully people can uh, can make the trip um, and hopefully people can make the trip to Facehammer because I think that should be exciting this year. Definitely. Most importantly, South Coast, uh, the Friday's my birthday, so it's very nice of people to make trophies and shit, but come and buy me gin. <laughs> Let's be honest. Well, we, now we know that, we will. Um, <laughs> for those who wonder, um, face hammers on my birthday, so come buy me rum. Uh, <laughs> Honestly, it's not happened on purpose. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's like, it's not some sort of like yeah, weird coincidence. Um, yeah, but hopefully um, we can see you there. Um, you guys are off to Adepticon, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, unfortunately, I'm not going this year. Um, and um, before we sign off, we should say that Richie of um, Just Saying uh, is um, running an event in Liverpool on the Adepticon weekend, um, which he's kindly invited us to play in. Um, so me and Les might make the trip up for that. But um, where would you, have you guys got the details for that? I know we were talking about it earlier. Yeah, we'll hunt it out. We got a better yeah. calendar at the very least. Yeah, so I'll put a link in the blog post. Um, but check it out. Support Richie, uh, top guy, um, new to the scene. You know, not been on very long, but already, you know, people who come onto the scene and they're they're doing stuff like running an event is a big thing to do. Give something back. You know, doing his his podcast as well. You know, so try and support it. He's a, he's a top guy. So um, hopefully we can. Um, we can sort of help that event grow as well. And I know that Tomlin's got um, his event coming up on that same weekend, actually, which is a bit of a more narrative Monster Mash event, which he's struggling to get some sign-ups. So if you want to go along to a bit more fun event then down in time. Weymouth, then it's also, it's also, I'd thoroughly, thoroughly recommend it. So uh, I think you need a few more signups to make sure the event definitely goes ahead. So if you, if you've been umming and ahhing about it, just take the plunge to get the tickets and uh, support him because uh, Chris is like one of the guys that, 
that has done a lot over the years for the hobby and the community and i'm really appreciative of people who run events because i run two events it, i can't play in those so it's nice to get events i can go and play in so uh, let's keep these events going so we've all got this this really thriving scene so, you know the guides that put their effort in to do these it's uh it's it's really good so um appreciate it um that's about it really yeah yeah all right thanks for listening and we'll be back soon back cool. back see you then bye to make sure you don't miss out on any more hammer to your face subscribe to us on itunes Add our RSS feed to your reader and follow us on Twitter at facehammer underscore. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you'd like to give us some feedback, we'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening.